does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, it's a Monday here in Indianapolis on the fan. Uh, thank you for waking up with us. And good God, hopefully you stayed warm, warm, warm. KB still has his coat and his hat on right now. He, he will not. I will un- not be taking he, it he off. Will not be taking- <laughs> you will not be getting a bear skin Kevin Bowen this Monday. Notre Dame, Boston College tonight, though. Oh, goodness. I saw they lost to Florida tonight. State. I saw it on the bottom third on the uh, the ticker below, if you will. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dighton producing today's effort. Mark Dighton licking his wounds, watching the Green Bay Packers yeah. and the Detroit Lions take care of business. Colts fans watching C.J. Stroud take care care of business. Not a great weekend, quite frankly, of NFL football. Two games tonight to save it. Uh, but fellas, a new week. Martin Luther King Day. Uh, we have a lot to cover today. Field Yates is going to join us. Some Pacers talk. But NFL is the lead. Four games on the books. Two today. And last night, we were talking about this right before we came on the air. Last night really saved, did it oh. not, between Lions and Rams. Thank you, what, Matthew Stafford. What had been a pathetic weekend. Thank you, Jared Goff. Thank you the city of Detroit. I don't yes. know if I've ever uttered that phrase Thank in the you, history Detroit. of my life. Thank you, the city of Detroit. Um, you know, I, I find myself at times like trying to pull Maddie into a little bit of my sports viewing, and you know, it's it, at times it can be a bit of a tug of war match. Um, but you know, she's open minded to it, and the Eminem intro probably did it for her <laughs> last night. But that scene was incredible. I that think all great. of us have been in enough, and we've been fortunate to be in enough sporting venues. You do not see crowds show up hour before the game like that. It honestly reminded me of when the Colts played in Wembley back in 2016. I'm like, what are these people doing here this early? Is it they're happy drinking. hour That's beer what they're sales? Doing. Yes, the answer is yes. In the stadium right now, uh, what a scene last night in Detroit. Like, and obviously, the Hollywood storylines, yes, to your point, Andy, speaks for itself when you get Stafford going back there. But what a game. I mean, and we needed that so bad. Well, uh, to your point as well, the Lions advance and very fittingly after all the Cowboys, you know, eligible lineman fiasco from a few weeks ago. Not only do the Lions advance, they will host one at least one more playoff game here in the divisional round of the playoffs. So pretty ugly. The other three games, some stellar young quarterback play that certainly needs to be talked about. Uh, but last night it was the Lions and the Rams, and by far the best game of the weekend, twenty four twenty three. Jared Goff and the Lions moving on. Boy, I tell you, there's some teams, and we'll dive into it as we go uh, over the next three hours. Like I said, Field Yates, ESPN, NFL Insider. He'll join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like, you know, with the game postponed and the game moved, uh, we'll get to our goats of the weekend still at 8.30. I think I have a funny a couple goats of the weekend. But with the game in Buffalo moved to 4.30 today, I was sitting there, I was sitting there at 1 o'clock uh, yesterday KB, like, what do I do? The Pacers aren't on until what time did they come on yesterday? 3.30? That was a, that was a weird yeah, start time. It was like 3 or 3.30. I'm like, what? What? I guess I'll I'll hang out with the baby and we'll watch some 
some, you know, Netflix or some HBO Max or something. We got to do something here uh, for the next couple hours. Well, and I think HBO Max, you go, you go a little deeper than that with the X's on that. You could really spice mm-hmm. up your your Sunday afternoon <laughs> in Taxi a chilly confession. T- talk about yeah, talk about a Sunday at two o'clock. But yeah, if you're the Packers, boy, you feel pretty good. It's like okay, young quarterback Texans. I, you feel pretty good, young quarterback. And then if you're if you're Miami. Coming from that weekend, and you're the Dallas Cowboys coming from that weekend. What a weekend of misery, is it not? I, I cannot wait for Field Yates to join us here at 9 o'clock uh, from ESPN. By the way, I absolutely love the lineup here early in the week. We've got for you guys. Tomorrow, of course, we'll get Indiana-Purdue, the first meeting down in Bloomington. Tom Crean going to join us at 9. Bruce Weber at 8.30. So you talk about a lot of history in this series between those two coaches Really looking forward to those conversations. But I, I was trying to think of, like, what is my biggest takeaway from the weekend? I think nationally, it's the Cowboys. Oh, sure. Like, that is the low-hanging sure. fruit. That makes a lot of sense. Here in our AFC South bubble, I walk away from this weekend, and a, a listener of ours asked us this question, Andy, so I will certainly not take credit for it, but I'll throw it your way. How many quarterbacks in this league are you taking ahead of C.J. Stroud right now? It's the conversation. I mean, he he's the C.J. Stroud right now. You go expansion. Is the most valuable player in the NFL because he's making nothing. And the Texans have, what, two more seasons at least before they say, okay, we'll pay right. you. Right. Yeah, we'll give you the big and, contract. And the thing that stands out about Houston, I have never thought, even this year, that the roster is overly talented oh, by any yeah. means. But what they have is, I think, kind of a big stress point I've tried to make over the last, you know, whatever, handful of years, or I guess in general, just the entire Chris Boward era, they do have some horses at those impactful positions. Obviously, Stroud speaks for himself, uh, but Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, Nico Collins continues to emerge as a legit, you know, number one type of guy, and then they obviously drafted Will Anderson Jr. off the edge. We saw Jonathan uh, Grenard. Grenard, thank you. Um, opposite him, uh, who, who didn't play against the Colts, we saw him play on Saturday afternoon. And then Derek Steenley is a pretty legit corner, who they also drafted high. So, you know, that's the thing about the Texans moving forward. It's like, yes, it is Stroud, but I think at times, Andy, I've labeled them as like Stroud and the Misfits, but there are some guys at those other legit positions. And then to do that against the number one defense in the NFL, what they did Saturday afternoon, uh, boy, uh, that one stood out to me. And I think we'll talk about this a lot, of course, as 2024 continues to unfold. But if you look at the four winners from Saturday and Sunday, Andy, you're going to play three of those four quarterbacks next year. Obviously, you'll play Stroud twice. You do play Jordan Love and the Packers, and you do play Jared Goff and the Lions here. So we talk about this uptick in schedule uh, coming up here in 2024 for the Colts. That was probably in my little get-out-of-the-Jerry-Jones bubble for a brief second. <laughs> That was probably my biggest takeaway from the weekend. How dare you get out of this? Don't you know? Don't you know? Would fire me immediately. You're on sports talk radio. It doesn't matter if it's in Indianapolis. Damn it, KB! You're supposed to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys today, which of course made my weekend just. Yeah, you had to love that. Is uh, that my Super Bowl pick, the Cowboys? (laughs) Yeah, it was your Super Bowl pick. We we submitted those, so it is on the internet. Is going to live on FM radio podcasts and the internet forever. Well, had to stick with the preseason. uh, I mean, no, I mean it's not a bad pick. It was a number two seed in the NFC who was playing as good as anybody who had a home playoff game, potentially had multiple home playoff games. Is Jerry Jones's ego too big Uh, to hire? Belichick? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. I asked that in all I seriousness. Mean, no, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. He's always, he's always had a yes man. He's had a Jason Garrett, a Mike McCarthy, a Dave Campo, right? Ever since Jimmy Johnson. Dave Campo. I did not have that on the bingo card here on this <laughs> you, Monday morning. You like morning. that? His first name is Dave, right? I, I was, sound, I was right searching in my mind. I could, I could just see Campo's face, but I'm like, I think it's Dave Campo. I didn't have time to look it up. I, I just felt, well, I will wing it. Well, no, it's. It's young, it's quarterbacks. It's young quarterbacks is a is a thought coming from this uh, weekend. But for Colts fans, I I think the objective here is clear twofold. And what I mean, and listen, Jacksonville could rebound. Everyone knows what I think of of Jacksonville uh, and Trevor Lawrence and what they put around him and what they're going to lose this offseason. Perhaps a guy like Josh Allen, who had all the sacks this year uh, and everything else. But it is, unfortunately, C.J. Stroud is that dude. I mean, they carved the Browns up. And so I think that's number one. And number two, watching Jordan Love in, what is it, 16 to 18 games, watching C.J. Stroud this season, it both frustrates you with Anthony Richardson being injured this year, but it also can energize you if Anthony Richardson this coming season can be healthy and can start making some of the plays uh, and getting and garnering some of that excitement that what we've seen with C.J. Stroud in Houston. We have never had a chance to do that because Richardson was out of games. You know, Houston, it's 14-0. He has a couple touchdowns. You're thinking, okay, he might have a 4-5 touchdown game, you know, three, 400 yards of total offense. This is the type of game where people start to talk about him. He goes down, he gets the concussion and we know how the season played out so it's it's both disappointing you're I don't know fearful but the objective is in front of you that CJ Stroud and the Texans are gonna have something for you D'Amico Ryan's and that coaching staff and then it's also the positive side is Hey, if our guy next year can stay healthy, continue to get that Shane Steichen coaching, we can continue to run the football within Jonathan Taylor. I imagine they probably bring in another running back that we can be talked about. Our quarterback can be talked about the way that a guy like Jordan Love or C.J. Stroud's been talked about the last, you know, half of the season. So Steelers Bills coming up 430 today. Obviously, that one got pushed for the state of emergency there in Western New York. Uh, so just the sights and scenes will be certainly fascinating to watch in that one. I don't know how great the game will be, but certainly the weather could have some lingering effects for that one. Uh, and then the uh, final game of Wild Card Weekend will be Eagles and Bucks. Uh, and then we'll set you up for Divisional Weekend. The schedule still not necessarily locked in stone yet. Obviously, you got to wait for some of these teams to advance um, for the Divisional Round of the Playoffs. We do know that we will get, uh, what is this, Packers 49ers. Uh, that is the one that is kind of locked in. That'll be 8 o'clock coming up on Saturday night. Uh, the Texans will be in the first game coming up on Saturday. They will still await an opponent, though, based off what happens today. And then the Lions are going to be in the 3 o'clock slot on Sunday. They will host Philly or Tampa. Um, so, again, 4.30 today, Steelers and Bills. And then 8 o'clock tonight, it'll be the Eagles and the Bucks. Both Indiana-Purdue handle their business at home like you would hope, like you would, I guess, more expect maybe from Purdue than Indiana. But I thought with IU on Friday night, Andy, probably their finest 40 minutes of the season. I don't know, maybe Ohio State, but certainly up there with that. Obviously, Xavier Johnson news, he was benched. Gabe Cups got the start. 
and tomorrow night, 36 hours away from Indiana and Purdue. It goes without saying that for the here and now present short term, the game obviously is more important for Indiana. But if you are a Purdue fan and you've thought to yourself, wait a minute, we've lost three of four to Indiana after we had just won nine straight against them. Uh, obviously, you have this one circled more from like fan sanity, less to do with you know resume in March. Oh, not not to mention Purdue already has two losses in the Big Ten. All oh, Purdue fans, they want to smash Indiana here, don't well, they? Well, well yeah. Okay. I mean, they just want, I, you always want to smash. Do them, not think for a this second. This is a spot where you want to smash. Yeah, do not think for a second that I, I I feel like all of a sudden <laughs> this one means more to one fan base or the other. But they just mean different. Like Indiana needs it for the resume. Purdue needs it for their sanity. Right. Right. Yeah, and to not have a third Big Ten loss and to have that conversation. Uh, I thought Purdue was I thought Purdue was fine uh over the weekend. Penn I State thought it's horrific. Yeah, but you know, th- you go into a game like that and it's like tw- was it 2022 at half, something like that and you're like, I mean, there's no way per- there's no way Penn State's going to win that game. So you're playing a game where you know you're not going to lose that game at any point throughout the season. And listen, I'm with you. I thought Indiana's performance going back to Friday night against Minnesota was probably the best they have looked. I never thought they were going to lose that game. I will say, you know, Xavier Johnson has two shots in 17 minutes and scores two points in that game. Gabe, uh, Gabe Cubs plays 30 minutes and has no points. Like that position played 47 minutes <laughs> against Minnesota and they made one field goal. That ain't going to work. Yeah, that we'll, is not going to get work against Braden Smith and company coming up tomorrow night. We'll, we'll certainly focus more on this tomorrow, but you think back to those three wins Indiana's gotten over Purdue uh, here in the last four matchups. You know, Two of those three, Andy, you had kind of career nights. Robert Fennessy, of course, is the icon a couple years ago. Then last year, Jalen Hood-Chefino has the career sort of effort. There doesn't look like anybody on paper in the backcourt is capable of that for Indiana, but the McKenzie and Baco continued emergence, and he was very good on Friday night. If you look at the starting lineups, and obviously how Indiana tries to guard Zach Eady is storyline number one, but I'm looking at him like, wait a minute, who's guarding Mbako for Purdue? And, and does he continue to play like the five-star, like the first-round pick, et cetera, et cetera? Because we're starting to see more of those flashes. It, it maybe isn't the most consistent thing in the world over the course of 40 minutes, but... He is one that has started to emerge for Indiana and was very good on Friday against Minnesota. So, like we said earlier, uh, Bruce Weber, Tom Crean coming up tomorrow. 8.30 for Bruce Weber. Nearly, what, two decades uh, right next to Gene Cady there for these matchups. And obviously Tom Crean in Indiana there. So, uh, really looking forward to both of those joining us tomorrow. The Pacers back in action tonight. It will be the altitude back-to-back. Had the matinee yesterday. 3.30 3.30 in the afternoon, Denver took a while there, but finally kind of asserted themselves championship-wise in the Bruce Brown ring ceremony game in Denver. It'll be Utah tonight. I had no idea that Utah's won 11 of 13. Yeah, Utah. Utah's playing good basketball. Yeah, we were talking about it last week. Seven yeah, they're like one. nine out of ten. I'm like, wait a minute, where did this come from right. with the Utah Jazz? But they're playing. They're playing great basketball. Great basketball. And no back to back for them. The Pacers do have the back to back. It's a rough Granted, spot for Indiana. It was an afternoon. Yeah, it's to a rough a night spot. Game, but you know when you look at what happened Friday, very nice win in Atlanta. Obviously, yesterday probably to be expected. Uh, can you find one more win? That that I, I know the bar was low, but I thought it was a bar that should have been set low. Without Halliburton, they've already won two so far, two and one without him. I said, can you go three and five before you reevaluate things? 
Uh, tonight will be difficult. Thursday in, against Portland is probably the one you circle the most out of all of these, but we'll get you set for Pacers and Jazz coming up again, 9 o'clock from Salt Lake City. Good Monday morning to you. It is obviously extremely, extremely chilly for anybody that is heading outside. Uh, safe travels, extra pair of gloves, et cetera, et cetera. You don't need to play mom here on this Monday morning. And again, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Day. Fittingly, this is his birthday, actually. Uh, obviously, it does not happen uh, you know, every single year uh, when you honor him on this Monday in January, but his 95th birthday would be today. So remember the remarkable bravery he had to stand up for human rights and racial discrimination. Thank you for spending this Monday morning with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy on 93.5-1075, The Fan. All right, KB, you like that? Horizon League. There we go. Hey, I love working with them on Over the morning the checkdown. Yeah, I'm Can't feeling good about that. For that conference championship. There we go. That's good stuff. I'm excited about that, that partnership here uh, on the morning checkdown. Reminder, FieldGatesESPN.com. He's going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Let's start with the Pacers last night. Finally, you know, uh, beating Washington, I thought the win on Friday, good win uh, over Atlanta. Atlanta's got some retooling of their roster, but uh, overall, without Tyrese Halliburton, you get a couple wins, you feel good. Last night, not the case, although the Pacers do cover. 117-109, your final there in Denver. Rick Carlisle post-game on the loss. I thought we fought hard in this game, and uh, there were some frustrating parts of it. A lot of this came down to Jokic's greatness and Murray's greatness. You know, but we hung in and, and didn't play our best game and still we're hanging in. So I, I have to watch it to get a better handle on the whole thing. You know, Rick was not happy with the officiating either. Uh, the Pacers not getting to the foul line that early in the second half. I tossed in Michael Porter Jr. You know, obviously Murray and Jokic speak for themselves, but 25 for him. Denver actually had uh, very two contrasting statistics from yesterday. They had a season high in turnovers. They also had a season high in field goal percentage. So I know 117 points seems like not a lot. The Pacers allowed, but a season high in field goal percentage for them. Uh, As we said, Pacers and Jazz tonight. That is 9 o'clock game two of this five-game Western road trip. The Jazz have won 11 of 13. The Pacers are a seven-point underdog. We'll see if Aaron Neesmith can get back. It's a rough uh, spot for the Pacers. Out. Yeah, on paper, this does yeah, not a rough spot. look like a good situation. All Utah did not play yesterday with Indiana playing yesterday. Uh, again, that is a 9 o'clock tip before two off days uh, for the Pacers. And by the way, Rick Carlisle will probably push him to Wednesday with this uh, Western schedule this week, so we'll continue to update you on that. Alright, locally from the weekend, college basketball-wise, let's start with Friday night. Indiana uh, controls home court against the Minnesota Golden Gophers there. Uh, probably their best 40-minute effort of the season. Very balanced. McKenzie and Baco uh, led all scores with 19 points there. Really in full control throughout that one. We did see Xavier Johnson get benched. I, would, You know, in-house, I believe, in-house stuff was the exact phrase from Mike Woodson. Not like Xavier Johnson been playing very well either, along with the uh, X-rated move he had at Rutgers last week. Uh, and then Purdue, 95-79. It was a 27-2 run early in that game, which blew things open against Penn State. It was Zach Eady, Andy, plays 30 minutes, has 30 points and 20 rebounds. The Eady stat lines, for me, they're getting into a little bit of Tyrese Halliburton territory, where I'm like, can we just pause for a second and read off the stat line and make sure we're not taking this 
for granted. Oh, I think I think we're a hundred percent taking Zach Eady probably for granted of at this point. Yeah, thirty and twenty. Against a Big Ten team, which yeah, there three were times on too. Saturday, I thought, wait, is Penn State really a Big Ten team? Thirty points and twenty rebounds in thirty minutes. Yeah, I mean three blocks too. He's fantastic. I know Brain Smith hasn't quite been scoring wise great the last couple Did games. Have 11 yeah, Purdue's been able. I mean, Purdue played fourteen guys. <laughs> they emptied the bench. I got to play 14 guys against Penn State. And going back, I mean, I don't I don't know. We have Bruce Weber on tomorrow and Tom Crean. I don't know if they will feel this way. I think Indiana fans, it's probably, you know, I mean, it's probably written down like they know. I'm trying to think of the analogy. But, you know, Xavier Johnson, if he's going to change any perception of what people think of him, he needs to do it pretty pretty damn quick here. I mean, he was benched against Minnesota, and it's one of the better 40-minute performances by his team. But even though he was benched, he played 17 minutes and didn't do very much. And I, he's he's to the point to where, you know, Mike Woodson, if he has to leave him behind playing bench minutes, playing, you know, 14 to 17 minutes a game, maybe that's what happens here. I don't know. Xavier Johnson, these next few weeks. Can they get on a run? Can they make the tournament without him? Well, I mean, can they make it with him? Can they make him w- without him? Is there is there that There's much no of a difference? To that's say the question. That he's played like good Xavier Johnson well, that's, this year. That's been the but thing. But I still though. feel like with the current iteration, I I just don't see Gabe Cups as a starting point guard playing 36 minutes a night and Xavier Johnson being bad. No, Gabe Cups can't see score. You capable of getting on a run there? But again, Xavier Johnson's done nothing to earn. I know. His starting role or, it's a, or quality. It, it's a terrible right spot to be in because Indiana fans. I mean, we have Mike DeCourcy on a couple times, and you know, everyone's like, "Well, when Xavier Johnson comes back, when Xavier Johnson comes back, and he's been back, I, m- very mixed results. A benching already. You bench him. You play one of your better forty minutes. You tell me. Like, I don't know what the answer is here. Butler squanders one at home against Seton Hall on Saturday. That was brutal. And the IU That's women brutal. get absolutely trounced at Iowa. That was the Fox game with Gus Johnson and company. Marquee won for the Hoosiers against Caitlin Clark, and they got rolled. Uh, okay, NFL from the weekend. Again, advancing to the divisional round of the playoffs in order. It was the Texans over the Browns Saturday afternoon. Kansas City handles the elements much, much better than Miami. And then yesterday, it was Green Bay potentially ending Mike McCarthy, I guess, again uh, with with a route in Dallas and by far the best game of the weekend. It was the Lions 24-23 over the Rams. Andy, your biggest thought, (laughs) what struck you the most from wildcard weekend so far? Uh, I hate to say it, but it's okay. It's a positive of CJ Stroud, which Colts fans won't like. And then it's, if you're the Miami Dolphins, what do you do? I mean, you cannot pay Tua. You can't pay him like you would pay Pat Mahomes or some of these other guys. And, I mean, they the Dolphins were never in that game. And they're, they're a team that runs the football a lot. And they had 14 rushes uh, with their top two guys. I, you tell me. I mean, they've put in big-time money into that defense. And I know Xavier Howard got injured and Bradley Chubb got injured and Chubb was in the game when, you know, at the end of the season, KB, when he should not have been in the game. But, I mean, you're talking about the Dolphins, you know, middle part of the season, they start to not look great. There was a stat. Oh, and I should have had this ready. I mean, they beat literally nobody. Here it is. Their win-loss record... 10-1 Ten and one against teams that were five hundred or below. One and six against teams that were above five hundred points per game. 
They scored 36 a game against those bad teams, 16 a game when they faced someone who was over 500. They are the definition of a front-runner team. Where are you going? I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like what you, Cousins? Brother, that's what I'm saying. What I mean, if you're you're in a situation to where you don't know what you can win with this group of players, and you have put in draft capital and big time money into Chubb, into your running. Well, I mean, you have three, four running backs that you're supposedly gonna like. Are you gonna pay two? You're paying Tyree Kill. What about Waddle? I mean, they just they have a lot of pieces, but they don't come together. And they it was a disgrace. I mean, Kansas City, they're lucky that the wide receivers, Miko Hardman and company, don't know where the damn ball is. Because, I mean, Pat Mahomes put two on him where Miko Hardman could have had 100 yards receiving in a touchdown on top if he catches the ball. I mean, this game this game could have could have been ugly. It could have been Texans-Browns ugly. It could have been a 45-14. It honestly reminded me of when Notre Dame played in the Sun Bowl about a decade ago, ironically enough, against Miami and the Hurricanes of Miami. They didn't want to leave the uh, the heated benches. <laughs> like, I mean, Kansas City the threw it. Like, Kansas Listen. City handled the elements. Like, it was, I mean, Mahomes was kind of his normal, you know, flinging it all over the yard. Now, again, to your point, it's not like they had a most efficient day with some of those wideouts unable to pull some in. Even Kelsey had a big drop there as well. But Miami, I mean, it was, it a mess. It was so ugly watching them try to play in that weather. Speaking of weather, obviously today, 4.30, Bills and Steelers. We'll see exactly what the elements look like. What does the wind look like? In that one, I think the uglier the weather, the better for the road team. I think Pittsburgh wants it as ugly as possible in that one. And then the nightcap, certainly a lot of eyes and ears on Eagles and Bucks. If I set the over-under right now at one and a half coaching changes the rest of the way, you go under or over that. Uh, but, 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 okay, so I think Dallas, I think there's a chance that Dallas will open. Okay, so that would be yeah, one. Yeah, so that would, would be one. one more or no? No. And, and, and I point I, to I prob- today. Yeah, I probably would say no. Unless Tomlin walked away. That would count, right? What if Tomlin about, walked away. What about Mr. Sirianni tonight? Yeah, I don't think Sirianni's mm-hmm. going anywhere. I think next year, I think if, if they if they look pathetic in this game, and by the way, A.J. Brown is out. Hurts uh, is going to play, but obviously has been hampered by a litany of injuries, including on his throwing hand. Well, I think it's a middle finger, I think, maybe ring finger on that throwing hand. I think Sirianni enters next season in a lot in on a on a rather warm seat. Looks I do. It's like the first signs of some early Jim Harbaugh smoke with the NFL starting to see. We'll shed that to you coming up on the other side. Get back in a little bit of Colts conversation. Certainly Chris Bauer had plenty of comments late last week. Anything lingering uh, that we want to get to, uh, we'll do that. Field Yates from ESPN joins us at 9. Stay warm as best you can. Thanks for spending this Monday morning with us right here on 935 107.5 the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Stay 
warm. Man, if you're working outside today, they should bring you inside. I don't even know how you work outside today, KB. I really don't. It's so cold. It's so cold. And you saw the scenes there in Buffalo, the people shoveling out the stadium. Have you seen that? Oh my God. The, uh... Here, t- turn your mic on. I'm going to turn that on. Uh, how about the, uh, was it the governor said something to the effect of like, um, it's not going to be life-threatening today, Buffalo and Pittsburgh weather outside of the 430 kickoff. It, it, it's not going to feel great, but it won't be life-threatening. I'm like, well, there's quite a big scale, I would hope, between those two there. Oh, so like Mike Woodson describing his bench from last week. Uh, guys, well, they you know they they haven't killed me. They've helped me some of the time. Uh, goodness, uh, the guys shoveling out the stadium there in Buffalo. We'll get to the hardball news. Would you shovel out Notre Dame if they needed your help? It won't be pleasant, but it's not going to be life threatening. That was her exact <laughs> is that, quote. By is that the way. what she said? Um, if Notre Dame said, "Hey, yeah. we have a big football, we have USC coming into yeah, town," I would but, do anything. But we need volunteers for twenty dollars an hour to come up here and shovel for the now, night. W- Micah so, Shrewsbury asked Kevin. Kevin yeah. will do anything. They got, Shrewsbury. They got complimentary food, but they don't. It's not going to get tickets to the game, correct? No, uh, twenty dollars no, per hour. It's twenty bucks an hour. Uh, you know, and you can be there just, for hours shoveling. You get honestly, free food. I've always had just kind of a soft spot for Buffalo and that fan base. And, you know, last night, and I let off the show saying this, I've never uttered, boy, I am so happy for the city of Detroit. But watching that scene last night, that's kind of why I love sports. Do you to see be, guys crying in the crowd? Do you to see be that? totally honest. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. all of those shots. And I thought Mike Tirico was honestly probably the perfect person to have considering he lives up there. And, you know, he, he was so smooth all night long, typical uh, fashion there. But just describing what that city has been through with their Lions fandom, obviously the Stafford golf angle to the game is such a Hollywood layup for them. But man, I, it was pulling out all the strings last night for me. I, I found myself like audibly rooting for the Lions, and, and I was not that at eight o'clock necessarily. Like I was not in that sort of mindset, but it, that's where I was throughout the game and how it unfolded. Um, the scenes from after the game, Dan Campbell in the locker room, his comments about Jared Goff. Uh, boy, cannot wait to see uh, the Lions back at home coming up this this weekend. And, you know, again, Buffalo's always kind of had that for me, too. Been to a lot of Bills games at home. The Colts have played up there a whole lot here over the last, you know, half dozen years. It's just kind of a college atmosphere. And I think with pro sports, we don't get enough of that. I felt like Detroit was that last night. Outside of Rams fans, were there anybody rooting for the Rams? Well, or was everyone I, rooting I, for the Lions? I picked the Rams. I didn't care who won. I picked the Rams, and obviously it was a one-point yeah, game, so I, it came down to the end. I did. I, I, again, I, I found myself with the Rams. I don't know. I know we don't say this maybe about big market teams a lot. I find them rather likable. I mean, like Sean oh, McVay. I like Sean McVay, yeah. I, like, I yeah. mean, Stafford, by all account, like watching Stafford gut it out last night, I mean, that was some warrior stuff from him. And boy, the amount of throws he fits into windows is just stupid. The the arm angles and you know he gets hurt during the game. Aaron Donald seems like a fine dude. Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, my is God, outstanding. He was incredible again last night. So um, I, I don't know. I just did not think like I'd be clapping after third downs, and that's where I was last <laughs> night with the. Oh Lions. wow, you were clapping after third downs. So yeah. you you were invested. I'm trying I, to think. I was. I'm trying to think. The last time I've heard you in a non you know th- thing that we cover around here, Colts Pacers, is you've been invested that much. And that, that, I don't again, think there's been no, anything. No financial stake whatsoever in the Lions. It was simply just heart.
I love it. <laughs> I love that. It was hard. There were there were guys our age crying in the crying in the stadium. Again, 1991. Well, I was born in 84, so it would have been, you know, I would have been 7 years old. It was a cool the shot. last time. The NFL, or NBC, you know, panned to the crowd and at one point they showed the big wigs and, you know, oh, yeah. you've got Calvin Johnson and you've got Barry Sanders and obviously Marshall Mathers in the building as well. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they panned, uh, and I forget his first name, I'll just go with Bill, you know, 67-year season ticket holder Bill, looks like healthy, he looks like he could down about five beers, <laughs> 89 years old, and he's in the crowd. Um, I just thought they did a great job of telling that story, and again, the the shots of it, because obviously we bailed on Packers-Cowboys quite early and got over to NBC, I mean, they were in that building an hour before kickoff even began, and the Stafford venom to me, like that's exactly, I mean, there is true appreciation, I think, for what Stafford even helped them get to and get to a couple of playoff appearances. And they were happy when he won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But now he's back in your building. Right. And it's the playoffs. And the game means something. Yeah, this is a week four. So there's 60 minute venom towards him. I just love that. Like, that, again, that to me is what fandom is kind of all about. Uh, good for Detroit. And I've never said that ever in my life. And I, outside of this uh, playoff run, I'll probably never say it again. So this playoff run, you're adopting then. You're, I, I you're think kind I'm of adopting, adopting the Detroit Lions. Okay. Now All you right. know. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do then. I'll adopt the Green Bay Packers. Oh, and we'll on, And Andy. we'll all just... We'll all just make Mark Dighton angry over the next couple weeks. No, I'm not sound? upset about the Lions. The Lions have suffered enough. I feel no shred of, like, I will never feel bad what for a Jordan Packers Love fan in my life. <laughs> never feel bad for a Packers fan in my life. Lions fans, you have my sympathy. I was very happy for them. I picked them to win. I'm happy that they won. Packers fans can, well, I'll stop there. I, I want to go back to the Packers here in a second, but we teased Jim Harbaugh news. Do you want to do that Jim Harbaugh meeting today with somebody in the NFL? Yeah, meeting today with the L.A. Chargers. I think for the most part, this was more of a just tell me when it's going to happen, not if it's going to happen, but that appears to be happening today. Um, it seems like the Chargers have been the one team kind of most frequently mentioned. Maybe the Raiders a little bit there. Uh, but certainly the Justin Herbert effect with the Chargers, I I guess you ask it just because of the fireworks from what happened yesterday, but would Jerry Jones have any interest in Jim Harbaugh? Well, I mean, Jerry Jones, what he does here, I mean, does he have, does he have, you know, later, situations? later in, yeah, later in his life, is he going to bring in a big personality and not a yes man? And I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, the last guys that he has hired and that he's stuck with, Mike McCarthy and Jason Garrett. Uh, and, and I hear, I hear, Mark, I heard you, Mark. Mark with the yuck uh, with Jason Garrett. We got a lot of Jason Garrett on NBC. Oh yeah, they're asking <laughs> you what the for too, which is the worst. Thinking right now, I'm like, God, oh, get Jason. I did. Garrett I paid six dollars for my Jason Garrett conversation on Saturday. Everything tells me it would be a no, like if you talked about Harbaugh or Belichick, but I don't know. I mean, Harbaugh, listen, when they won, they had Jimmy Johnson, and Harbaugh is a personality, and he is a— What was the thought on Jimmy Johnson before taking that job? Would he fall in line a little bit more with a Harbaugh or or a Belichick? Granted, that's obviously, what, two decades ago over that. But I think that's a question I have. Like, does Jerry Jones look at and say, all right, I have tried the yes-men— and now it's time. I'm gonna you know back away from the table a little bit, and I'm gonna say, all right, you know Jim Harbaugh, all right, Bill Bill Belichick, here you go. I I, I just don't and see if you're it. Harbaugh, I'm sorry, how I do don't you view see the it. two? If you're Harbaugh and you've got the Chargers and Herbert, 
or you've got the Cowboys sitting there, what do you say? Three straight 12-win seasons with Dallas? I can be the difference? Or do you look at Herbert and think, oh boy, that's that's a hell of a young quarterback that I just need to get my hands on right. and we can that's, find something That's there. the guy. Yeah, I, no, I think, listen, I think you go to the Chargers. I think the Cowboys, you know what I think. I think they're cursed. Uh, they, they, they are fine in the regular season. Do not get me wrong. They are a good team in the regular season. They won the NFC East this year. They deserved it. They deserved that home playoff game, yada, yada. I understand. Uh, but in the end, it always ends this way. Did you happen to hear uh, Jimmy Johnson's speech at halftime no. on Fox? Okay, so they went to him and they said, "Okay, what would you say right now if you're Mike McCarthy and you, and you're uh, you know you're going into the locker room and you're being beat up, but you just scored it's like what twenty seven seven? You right, get yeah. the you get the ball second half. So hey guys, we make this 27-14, and then suddenly all we need is a turnover, right? We get a fumble, we get Jordan Love to finally make a mistake. Yeah, he they, gets an they interception. Got the ball to start the third yeah, that's what I'm saying. So and they kicked a field goal, but at that point it's like, hey, go make a twenty seven fourteen. Put a little game pressure on Jordan Love. Uh, it never happened, but here's here. Go ahead and play it. Here's Every the single one speech. of you. You know how hard we've worked. I don't need to have people pointing the fingers one thing or another. You get your rear end in there and you play the way you know how to play. <laughs> we can win the game. We're going to open it up. We're going to go fast tempo. Defense, get after Jordan Love. You can't give him that much time. You do what you're supposed to do. We'll win this game. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is Michael Strahan and Howie Long uh, lining Boy, up, I, I, tearing I, I, off their shirts. Is, who is worse, Dak or the defense? The defense well, is pretty well, I mean, awful. that's the thing. Dan Quinn is the name. I mean, if you fired Mike McCarthy, a guy who could get that Dallas job would be Dan Quinn. Or Dan Quinn is probably lining up job interviews elsewhere. And that defense just got I mean, absolutely blasted last night. Youngest team in the NFL going into a place that they had not lost all year at home, Dallas. I mean, they they were undefeated they at know. home. You yep. know, getting the NFC East was huge for them to have at least one or two playoff wins. You know, had they won yesterday. And for Jordan Love to do that. The thing about Love is... and. At some point today, Andy, I kind of want to get into, because I know Jordan Love was a very hot name with the Colts back a handful of years ago. If you remember how that draft unfolded there, that was the first draft post-Andrew Luck and the retirement there. Love is such a natural thrower. I mean, he is, I mean, honestly, if you look at all the winners, Stroud, Stafford, or, you know, Stafford, I guess, didn't win. But, I mean, all of them, they just, it's so beautiful watching them throw the football. Love had a third down. I think it was the third touchdown on all, all the touchdowns run together. He just hung in there, delivered an unbelievable ball down the middle uh, to make it 21 nothing there. But to do that, the youngest team in the NFL, to go in that building and to, you know, punch them right in the mouth early on, and again, both sides of the football play that outstanding. I, I'm curious to see how Green Bay will go into San Francisco and play because they are probably the hottest team, one of the hottest teams certainly in football right now. Uh, maybe San Francisco is just on a different level, uh, but that is the one matchup we for sure know coming up this weekend. It will be Green Bay and San Francisco here in the divisional round. Uh, reminder, Field Yates going to join us at 9 o'clock. Quickly on that, and uh, you know, what movie is it? Is it old school where you, you tell the kid, uh, the kid to earmuffs? You can say anything, just earmuffs. Old school. So uh, old school. We might have to earmuffs Mark Dighton for a second because it's unfortunate for him. But He's wearing his bare shirt but, today. But yeah. I know, I saw it. But Green Bay, whether you like him or not, this is now twice Green Bay has known when to cut bait 
at about the right time with an all-time great quarterback. They did it with Brett Favre. Now, Brett Favre played three more seasons, and one of those was a good season. If you remember, he went to the Jets. The Jets cratered at the end of their season. Was it 2008, whatever it was? Uh, they, they cratered, and they went 9-7, and seven and they didn't make the playoffs. And then, if you remember, Brett Favre decided to, to share a couple pictures. And so that, that, I mean, he did. So that ended, and that was, you know, that ended in true Jets fashion. And then he went to Minnesota, and he played two seasons, and he had that one great season. Remember, he threw the interception in New Orleans. The Saints go on and win the Super Bowl and everything else. But he had a great year. It was way up over 4,000 yards. Wasn't, you know, and then his final year, it was as many interceptions as touchdowns, and, and you could tell that it was over. And so they knew, hey, we might get one more year with Favre, but we're ready to move on to Aaron Rodgers. They did the same here. They got rid of Aaron Rodgers. You know, they moved on from him. Jordan Love, it was sketchy at first. It took a little bit of time, but obviously now they're being praised. And while while the media's praising Jordan Love and everything that goes into what happened to him final parts of the season and last night, let's not forget the grief that the Packers took for a number of years. I mean, Green Bay has a young roster, right. and Aaron Rodgers complained him. and moaned and complained yeah. about that roster. This, you know, and look what happened to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, forty years old now. I think he would have been good with the Jets this year. He may be good next year with the Jets, uh, but the fact that he got injured, Aaron Rodgers has done nothing but be a buffoon for the most part, off air or uh, off the field, and you add those things together, and now you got Jordan Love in there. This is now twice they have known how to handle the end of an era with a quarterback, bringing in, grooming, sitting a young quarterback. Boy, there's... There's not a lot of places in the NFL. I mean, there are places that, that struggle finding a quarterback. Look at your team, Mark. Look oh, at my thanks. team. Yeah, I mean, me we're just that. we're just sitting around, just just burning through coaches, burning through OCs, burning through uh, burning through quarterbacks. They figured it out twice now. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I'm mean, frankly, no fair. one's done it. It's really not fair. Better. It's not fair. I think a lot of people outside of this market would label Indianapolis in having that sort of success, but it's. Rather easy when it's Manning and Luck. Sure. The sure. fact, I mean, where was Rodgers drafted? 20-whatever? Yeah, where was I mean, Love remember, drafted? He, remember 20, he fell. Yeah, J- but, Jordan Love was drafted 26th and Jordan uh, Love in the was draft. What, yeah. The fourth quarterback taken in that draft. I, I do want to hit on that. Uh, maybe coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, the Colts and Jordan Love. I know there are a lot of people that thought in that draft that the Colts you know, had interest. They were the reported team wanting to trade back up. The Colts really could have... I. I I guess they bypassed on love a couple of times. We'll, we'll explain more coming up. And Dan Campbell, I found myself watching that last night thinking, what if? You know, what if that 2018 coaching cycle would have been Dan Campbell and not Frank Reich? We'll hit on both those things coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Field Yates from ESPN joins us at night. 
listen, I'm fine with Eminem and Marshall Mathers, but I remember when Eminem was dangerous. Do you remember this, KB, to where you had to you had to sneak away from your parents to listen to the CD? I love Eminem. <laughs> love. Can we get Lose Yourself before we or halftime coming up I, this weekend? I'm fine with doing that every single day. Collapse right there. Mm-hmm. We Mark do. Dyson Maybe 8 o'clock hour needs to be a, an Eminem rejoin uh, every day for new Detroit Lions bandwagon fan Kevin Bowen here uh, on the Wake Up Call. Thanks for joining us again. Coming up uh, in about an hour, Field Yates uh, is going to join us. We'll get to the Pacers here uh, in a second, who I thought played, for the most part, pretty good uh, on the road last night. They have Utah tonight. That's not going to be easy. Pop quiz coming your way today uh, as well at about 9.30. Uh, Jordan Love, you had a note on Jordan Love and potentially being drafted by the Colts going back to what was that, the 2020 draft? Yeah, the 2020 NFL draft. So yeah, just to kind of rehash some things from a calendar standpoint and what the storyline was surrounding that draft. Andrew Luck retires August 2019. So obviously it's what, two weeks before the start of the season. There's nothing you can do from a quarterback standpoint. They roll with Jacoby Brissett. Of course, you get off to a great start. And then all of a sudden, the bottom falls out of that season. And now you fast forward to the first full offseason with Luck being retired. And I remember having this conversation uh, probably in, honestly, the few, first few days after Luck you know, shocked the world, Andy, and said, you know, if I'm Chris Bauer, I think at that point, you almost call an audible with your scouting department. And you bring everybody in right before the start of the college football season and you say, guys, I know that on paper it looks like we've got a winner that's here. You know, 2018 season, they had made the playoffs. Yep. They had beaten Houston yep. with luck. He's comeback player of the year and all those things. Um, but my thought right then and there is we have to do everything possible to find the next quarterback as soon as possible. Because the longer you band-aid it, the longer you think short-term, the longer the rebuild is going to take. That that was my thought back in that 2019 fall into the 2020 spring. So you get to the spring of 2020, the Colts just won seven games. They're drafting 13 overall. So 13 is kind of in that awkward spot. You know, if you want one of the elite ones, you're probably going to have to trade up. And if you look at how that draft unfolded, you know, Burrow went number one overall, Tua went five, Herbert went six. So to get one of them, you obviously would have had to have make you know a, a rather notable trade up to get one of those three. But if you look at the next two quarterbacks taken in that draft, it's Jordan Love at twenty six and it's Jalen Hurts there in the second round. Um, I know there was a lot of internal debate on Hurts himself. You know, Love was one that a lot of national people I think thought the Colts were kind of pegged for. They felt like that the Colts either would have had interest in him at 13 or they were a candidate to trade back into round one. Because basically, um, after the combine, uh, the Colts' you know eyes were kind of stuck on DeForest Buckner and making that trade. That's what they ended up doing. They ended up trading number 13, the pick they had, for Buckner. And obviously, Buckner's turned out to be a really nice player, Andy. But again, this comes back to you know all about roster mechanics and what positions matter more you would obviously trade Buckner for a franchise quarterback. Uh, and the narrative was that the Colts are one of the teams interested in Love. Um, I think that was extremely overblown. Um, I don't think, in the Colts' eyes, Love checked the quarterback makeup, the quarterback leadership box, however you want to describe it. Um, if you remember, Love did get, I think he was suspended, I'm pretty sure he was suspended for their bowl game 
think he was caught smoking weed like in his hotel room or his apartment or his dorm, something along those lines. Mark, maybe maybe double check that. Utah State's would he put a towel? Did, did he put a towel by the door so it didn't leak into the hallway? No yeah. one will ever smell this. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the mechanics were to try and hide it, but um, that was an issue that he had. And then you know the Colts did you know do their due diligence and 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 directly spoke with Love leading up to the days of the draft, thinking to themselves, hey, is this a move that we should make? They elected not to. Uh, and Love was taken. Green Bay traded up for him, right? That was not Green Bay's pick, if I'm not mistaken. 26 uh, overall? Ha- hang on just a second. I was looking up the Jordan Love pot. Yes, he was cited for pot. Uh, that is the v- terminology that ESPN.com used back in 2020. Uh, let's see here. I thought Jor- that Green Bay traded uh, back into round one or maybe traded up into round one. Yes, they did. It was from Houston. To get, Via Miami. So, yes, they did. Yes. To get love there yes. at, at 26. But I went back during the break, Andy, because I wanted to make sure that I had this quote right. I went back and looked up a story I wrote after that first round of the 2020 draft. And this was Chris Ballard's quote on trading back into round one for a quarterback. The Colts did not make a pick in round one. They ended up taking Michael Pittman early in round two. The Ballard quote was this. Uh, We did not try to trade into the first round at all. As a matter of fact, I was eating popcorn and just hanging out from about pick 19 to 32. I believe that was the Zoom COVID draft. Uh, There was no effort to get into the first round, despite the reports out there that we were going to move up. There was no effort. I told you all the other day, we're not going to force that. We're not going to force that. It's going to be a guy that we have a strong conviction on, and we know that we think can be our future. We are not there yet. So again, I don't think they were fans of Jordan Love's entire makeup and checking that quarterback character trait. And I also think, Andy, it was still a little bit of a, we think we have something. Right. We're going to hold on in the short term and see what Phillip Rivers can give us. And obviously, holding on to Phillip Rivers meant then you're holding on with Carson Wentz, and then you're holding on with Matt Ryan, and you get into this multi-year domino effect. I know hindsight could be super 2020 with these things, but if you go back to again, the fall of 2019, or even as we bled into the spring, my thought was this. As much as DeForest Buckner can be an impact guy, you don't get the 13th overall pick very often. So the opportunity to utilize that pick in some way, shape, or form on a franchise quarterback cannot be overlooked. Because if you look at then the next couple of years, Andy, you then drafted later in round one. And now all of a sudden you sitting there in a position to make a trade or to draft a franchise quarterback, it, it, it's not as easy or not as feasible. Well, you're in purgatory. You're not bad enough where you're losing a bunch of games, you're but deeper. you're not good enough to go the entire you're distance. You're deeper in, right. in purgatory. You know, right. thir- 13 overall isn't necessarily a perfect spot, but, I mean, hell, look at today who's going to play quarterback. I mean, the Buffalo Bills traded up twice to get Josh Allen. I think they went from, like, 19 to 12 and then 12 to 7. So, again, when you're in that range – you at least can see a little light at the end of the tunnel. You still got to do something to get to the end of the tunnel. And Buffalo made a big trade up to get Josh Allen. But um, yeah, the Colts just did not feel like character-wise, Jordan Love checked the box for him. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, okay, so Buckner in that draft, uh, you, you talk about the move to get him. But also, you know, those second rounders turned into Michael Great Pittman players, Jr. Yeah. and Jonathan Taylor. So the Colts... I don't know how you felt back then in 2020, but the Colts left that draft thinking, 
We have an interior lineman who is going to be a stud, who, by the way, has been a stud. We're going to get our franchise, uh, you know, changing running back. And we all know what Jonathan Taylor, even though there has been some downtime here, uh, he gets the contract extension, what he has meant. Hey, go put his picture on the side of Lucas Oil. Uh, And you get Michael Pittman Jr., who had over 100 catches this year, that you're probably going to re-sign. So I would imagine, now I haven't looked at the rest of that draft class, uh, to see exactly what the Colts did. I'm sure there were, you know, some guys that did not Julian work Blackman out. Around I, mean, Julian, three. I mean, Julian Blackman, yeah, I'm looking Didn't at him as a fine Eason? player. Was that the Eastern draft? They uh, took him. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going through. Boy, there's some rough players. I mean, you just look at it is like you, you know, Jordan Love. You just look at Jordan Love, and you're like, man, the amount of guys that were taken. Yeah, Jacob Eason was in round four. So you know, I, I mean, that that was that My was kind of a shot this. in the dark, but that's I'm a not good draft act nonetheless. Like that I sat there and thought, you know, whatever, Jordan Love is going to be some you know franchise altering quarterback, one thousand percent. It's a must take. Where I disagreed with Ballard is I just felt like the organization lacked urgency in finding that next quarterback. Sure. There was a bit of this, no, 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 guys, we can find the veteran QB, and that is going to be enough. Like, in a way, they they looked at whatever, Brady to Tampa, you know, Peyton to Denver, I guess Stafford to L.A. hadn't happened yet, but they looked at some of those situations and thought, no, 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 we can we be can do that, that here. Right. And when you don't do that, not only do you it's delay a gamble. the rebuild yep. of your franchise, but then you get into this awkward financial situation. Whereas last week, for the first time ever, Chris Bowden in a January press conference, he's pleased. He's happy. Why? Because he's on the right path. He's on the path of hope, and his quarterback does not carry this financial burden that, in different ways, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, and Phillip Rivers all carried for the for the franchise. Let me ask you this, uh, and... and- I don't know the answer to this. You may. Like, I respect what Green Bay has done here. Like, if they go get a quarterback in eight years, if they, you know, in 10 years, if they draft somebody. Marshall Manning. Yeah, if they, if they draft somebody. How old is Marshall? Exactly. If they draft somebody, I'm going to sit back, even though, you know, I'll be, I'll be almost 50 years old. I'll sit back as a wise sports talk radio guy saying, I know exactly how this is going to play. Like, I trust Green Bay. Now, back then, I'm sure people didn't, and Green Bay has taken some heat. I trust Green Bay in the evaluation and how they hand off from quarterback to quarterback. Could the Colts have done the same? In other words, you draft a guy and then sit him for for a little while. That's not something that happens in this league. Green Bay has been able to do that. Indy, Indy can't do that, can they? I mean, look at Anthony Richardson. He well, came no, in immediately. No, no, no. Could they have done that in 2020? I think that is the question. Again, just to go over what the personnel decisions were, you traded the 13th pick for DeForest Buckner. So let's say you still do that. You sign Phillip Rivers. Could you have traded? Where did they take Pittman? Thirty-four overall. Uh, yeah, it was early second round. Could you have traded that? Yeah, you that's know, could the you question. Trade that and whatever it would have been a sure. future. I don't know a, a future third, a future second. I don't know what it would have taken to jump Green Bay six spots or eight spots ahead of you. And you know, obviously, you would still be in a dilemma of okay, okay, where are you going to find a wideout? Like, I don't want to act like that the Buckner move and the Pittman move and the Taylor moves were not good moves. They obviously have helped this franchise, but again, a franchise-altering quarterback is going to help you a lot, lot more there. Again, what stands out to me about Green Bay, Andy, is they were not born on third base with these quarterback decisions. Right. How many teams passed on Rodgers in that draft? How many teams passed on Jordan Love in that draft? And sitting these guys 
and grooming them, keeping them somewhat happy and locked in, and then having them succeed, like that is not a given either. I mean, there are some teams that have tried. Oh, it's a skill an element. It's a skill. Of this and for them to have done it. And, and on a side note, how great is that quarterback draft class? Read all those good. first five yeah. names uh, again. Burrow went one, if you remember. Tua went five. Herbert went six, and then Jordan Love went twenty-six. And Hurts, yeah. Hurts and Jalen Jay- Hurts went fifty-three. I mean, that 53rd is third overall. Ins- I mean, when you think about comparing that quarterback draft class to others, that is an insane. It is by far an anomaly based off what you're used to with quarterback draft classes. Uh, that is an incredible, incredible draft class. Mark, you got Cole Komet that year. Well, they just re-signed him. That's fine. <laughs> just look at There's some rough, but there's like Isaiah Simmons went eight. Ooh. Now that was a Justin Beckton Jefferson went 11. draft, right? It was, yes. Justin Jefferson was in that draft. He went 22. Jalen Rieger went right before him in Philadelphia. Coming up today, it'll be Bills and Steelers again. That has been pushed to 430 today. And then Eagles and Bucks still in their slot. We'll get the Manny cast, speaking of that, coming oh, up nice. tonight. So that'll be opposite, obviously, um, what you get with a normal Monday night crew of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And then 9 o'clock tonight, It'll be Pacers and Jazz from Salt Lake City. Uh, it is a back-to-back for Indiana. It's not a back-to-back for Utah. Utah's played a lot better. Colin Sexton did not play in the first matchup between these two teams. Indiana, with a big fourth quarter, beat Utah back at Cambridge Fieldhouse uh, about a month or so ago. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, of course, did play in that game. I did notice, you know, we're a week out from Halliburton and that injury. I'm watching the pregame yesterday. And right behind Jeremiah Johnson and Quinn Buckner on the mm-hmm. floor, maybe it was Eddie Gill, is, Jer- or is Tyrese Halliburton yeah, shooting. He's getting and, some shots up. At first, yeah. I had to do a double take. And, you know, I don't want to overly read too much into this, but it wasn't just like the stationary shots that you see injured guys take of just, hey, ball boy throws it to you, you literally don't move. It was like a one dribble kind of step back. I would call it all-star game movement. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Do you follow me on that? I follow you, yes. I know exactly what you mean. First quarter of the yeah. NBA All-Star yeah. game. That that was the type of movement. So a week out from the two-week approximate reevaluation window. He looked good. Um, I thought it was a good sign to see Halliburton moving like that. Again, Rick Carlisle probably Wednesday this week. We still need to confirm that. It's the first time they've been out west all year, so we're trying to juggle, obviously, the time difference for uh, Rick Carlisle. But uh, we'll uh, certainly throw that question is why seven-point favorite tonight, the Jazz over the Pacers. Can I ask you something? So Bruce Brown got his, and I have a take on the game last night. Bruce Brown got his ring last night. He played very well yesterday. Okay, he, he was good, okay? 18 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, played 33, 34 minutes. Uh, he was fantastic last night. Bruce Brown gets his ring, but KB, they're on a road trip. So even Carlisle after the game was, you know, it's great when a guy gets his ring and it's uh, it's always emotional. It's a, it's a big part of your professional life. And now he needs to put the ring somewhere where he doesn't lose it. Okay. But he's not at home. He's on the road and they're going to be on the road for what? The next, what, five games or whatever it is, the next week and a half. Where does he put this ring for the next week and a well, half? Doesn't he utilize the hotel safe? <laughs> Hotel right? safe. I guess you're right. I, I can't say I've ever used the hotel safe. I always check to see if there's money in there. They always say check under like the flap to see if there's any money. Oh, 
Wow. That's hey, listen, that's that's good advice. And Mark, that's you're, Mark you're, Dyson. You're 0 for 23 on that. <laughs> yeah, it's I've, never, I've, I've, I think I found like a nickel in there before. But that one, but that one, I'll tell you guys this story, and I still don't know. When we moved out of our uh, house in southern Indiana, you know, we didn't quite move everything. We had a few things that were still there. They were hid, you know. So someone went and looked uh, in the house, and one of the things that we didn't move, we had this. We had box two massive boxes of DVDs and some cassettes. You know, because it was like, do we want to get rid of, you know, uh, season one through six of Seinfeld? That cost a lot of money back in the day. Okay, of course, now you just bring it up on the TV and it's right there. And so we're just kind of going through things that we didn't want. And remember the movie Independence Day, Will Smith? Of course Mm -hmm. you guys do. It's a great movie. Okay. I, I shook the box and I'm like, something's in here. And and out plopped. Like a bunch of twenties. Oh, whoa! <laughs> like a few hundred dollars of twenties that were hit in the Independence Day uh, VHS. Now, my, how do you like that? My one story, kind of off that. I'm very ashamed to admit this, but as a young lad, uh, I did not enjoy taking medicine, mm. particularly pills. And so, I don't know, moxicillin or something. I was taking for. Uh, being sick as a kid, and my mom would give me the pills in her room, and then I'd say, okay, yeah, I'll, go, I'll go take it, and I would go grab the water in my room and <laughs> take the pill, or at least that's what she thought. Um, I put all the pills underneath my bed. I refused to take them, so I don't know if I just wanted to battle the illness naturally or what. Uh, how about this for my excuse? And, and I would love to think I was a lot younger than I was. Uh, I don't think this is a reflection of the individual that I have now turned into at the age of 34. But I told my mom when she discovered all of the pills underneath the bed. You had a small pharmacy under your bed. Yeah. Literally, yeah. <laughs> I, to- I told her that those were from the previous owners. <laughs> she thought you were like a drug mule or something. My poor Kevin Bowen oh, is a man. pill popper. Nothing like a young kid thinking <laughs> that you just move into the exact house it's that the previous owners have, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That bed was where Billy slept previously, right? And all the pennants up on the ceiling, that those were him, right? I just you, took over Oh, Billy room. was a Notre Dame fan as well. Wow, uh-huh. I didn't know that. The, uh, uh, last feeling, owner, just like you. So Fam- I, I'm family very meeting ashamed night. to admit that. <laughs> family meeting night at the Bowen household that night. I don't know if I was getting ready for like a Butler University cabin. pharmacy degree, but <laughs> that's where I was at back at. I, I'd like to think I was like seven or eight. Well, now I'm that. terrified. I'm like, was there money other places? Are these people going to find like a lot of $20 bills somewhere? Where did this? And I had to, I had to put that in there 11 years ago. Like it had to be, it had to be, I didn't remember doing it or anything. I'm like, thank God we looked through this. Should we buy something with it? Speaking of money, I mean, should we lay the Pacers tonight with seven? Oh, you, I mean, you talk, second, wait, you're talking about Utah laying the money with Utah, well, betting Utah, I, I, or, I don't know. or I you like, the, like Pacers. the Pacers? In the, uh, well, the Pacers covered last night. It was 10 and a half. They lost the by points. eight. And isn't it not a true back-to-back? I mean, you played yesterday afternoon. I mean, I yeah. guess it is still back-to-back, but one thing Pacers related from yesterday, I know the stat line might not indicate it, and I don't know, maybe these were the plays I was a little bit more focused on yesterday than, than some others, but man, there were several moments, particularly early in the game, where Andrew Nemhard gets in the lane, and then it's like, oh, bleep, what do I do? Right. And it's just like, you know, do I throw the little shot put up there? Um, you know, where do I go with it? It's just, it's a reminder of, and I brought this up earlier in the show, like Zach Eady on Saturday goes for 30 and 20 and 30 minutes. And I'm just walking away from that game thinking, gosh, do not take that for granted. And I feel the same way about Halliburton. It's like, oh my gosh, do not take him for granted. And again, Nemhard, I, I don't want to act like, you know, he deserves full blame for the loss yesterday, but... You know, how many points did the Pacers score? 
100 and what? Nine. Yeah, 109. That is a very low number. They, they didn't score 30 points in a quarter, and I'd love to know how many times that's, a that's happened stat, yeah. in, a, in a game this year. I would argue year. that probably has not happened. Probably not. In any game. So, again, it's just another reminder of, and I like Nemhard a lot, but just what Halliburton brings and just the fluidity of it. You know, it's like Nemhard gets in the lane, and you're happy that he's in the lane, but then he gets stuck. And then it's like, oh, where do I go with it? Whereas Halliburton... That ball does not stick, and you know even when whatever something doesn't look great for him, um, he's able to move. Back. Can I ask you something? Uh, looking at, uh, I I need to go back to the Washington game, but looking at yesterday, you know, Buddy gets the start, Buddy healed, and he plays twenty eight minutes, and you know, I mean, he was listen, he scored sixteen points, he couldn't make a three, they couldn't make a three. I mean, that was one of the narratives from the game yesterday. It's one reason that they scored one hundred nine points. Halliburton's out. Um, Neesmith is out, and then you throw on top of it uh, the fact that you're in Denver, the altitude, and then on top of all of that, you can't make threes, and they had many opportunities. And I only bring this up because, and again, I, I'm not even totally questioning Rick Carlisle. I, I think what he's done with his lineups, I think the move he made before that Houston game, what, three weeks ago, really did help this team. So I think for the most part, Carlisle and his staff have done a great job uh, in pushing the right buttons. The only reason I bring this up is, you know, that was one of those games where Buddy Heald can't make a three. Matherin played six less minutes than Buddy. Matherin coming off the bench and in the three... trouble for yeah, and, and, and in the three games, you know, that Halliburton's been out, you know, Matherin's averaging 14 a game. Shooting 43%, averaging 14 a game. Do you have any opinion on that? I guess I th- well, I thought maybe we would see a little bit more, perhaps. I, I, think, I don't know what my read again, is Again, I think the loss of Halliburton, as much as we focused on, and certainly I have one that's done this, Andy. Oh my gosh, 25 points and 12 assists from one dude. He literally accounts for, what, 50-some points a night for you. That is obvious. Like You can look at a stat sheet and it reads that. But what we don't, or we should probably acknowledge a little bit more, is when you lose a player like him... What does that do? It eliminates one, two, and three from the other team's scouting report. And watch how Boston guarded him a week ago Monday night. Watch how Drew Holiday guarded him. Now, all of a sudden, Matherin might get the top wing defender. Or, you know, Buddy might get a little bit more of a lockdown guy. Uh, That's the trickle-down effect from it of, you know, when Halliburton is drawing all this attention, it allows guys to play off of him. Now, late shot clock. I mean, I go back to the first play of the Washington game. The first play without Halliburton, if you will, in a game setting as a starter. No one wants it. Late shot clock. It's a grenade. All of a sudden, it ends up in Turner's hands, and I think it was a shot clock violation, or if it wasn't, you know, Turner throws some just wild shot with a second to go on the shot clock. It's like, who do you turn to in those situations? Right. You know, now all of a sudden, when Halliburton might be the one to kind of bail you out, now it's Matherin, now it's Buddy a little bit more. But, again, having said all of this, it, to me, style points get thrown out the window for the next week for the Pacers. Like, oh, I don't how it looks. I don't really care. Um, sure, if Halliburton gets hurt again, or you know he gets in foul trouble in the playoffs, then this becomes more of a front burner topic. But right now, just to find one more win, it's at Utah tonight. It's at Portland Thursday, at Sacramento Friday, at Phoenix Sunday. Portland on Thursday. That's the one that I kind of circle as the most winnable of all of them. But if you get one more win. That would be three and five in this stretch without Halliburton before he gets reevaluated again coming up next Tuesday. 
again, I would have signed up for that at the start of it all. I can't believe Utah's doing what they're doing. I mean, just their roster isn't that good, man. Their roster. Lori Markkinen? Didn't he serve in the Finnish <laughs> Army this offseason? I mean, Markkinen's good. You were you were anti-Markkinen. Wasn't his name kicked around? Hey, would you want this guy for the uh, Pacers? Ah, would you want that extremely guy? Extremely offensively gifted, but again, I mean... Every move for me has got to have a right. little bit of defensive focus to it. Right. I don't know. I Just last thing on the Matherin thing, I, I think here's what it is. I think there was, and not really totally by me, but I think there was a, hey, and it's not this easy because you're right. When ha- when Halliburton's out, everything changes, and the trickle-down effect is real. That is a real thing. I, I just think you're like, okay, through three games here, I think some people, and this is where I am, but I didn't have a number attached to a KB where I was thinking, this is a chance for Matherin to to take that step, maybe. Perhaps he becomes a starter and doesn't give that back up. And he's been okay, but I think he's actually, I mean, perhaps he's been affected by by Halliburton, even though I know at times they didn't play together if he came in the second unit and Halliburton was in or, or if he was already out at that point. I guess I thought, hey, I know you can average 15, 16 a game. Can you can you bump that up to 22 a game, to 23 a game while Halliburton's out? And through three games, we have not seen that. Yeah, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm more of a Matherin guy than obviously most. I mean, 28 minutes, he scores 16 points. 27 minutes, he scores 15 points. Yesterday, he plays 22 minutes and he scores 12. I, I'm, I guess I'm not like in the too much from an overreaction standpoint on that just yet. I, I just, That's I think- seventh in minutes on the team. Right there. Right. And again, yesterday was foul trouble induced early on in, in that first half. Um, I just go back to, again, life without Halliburton is just so different. I go by, and I guess I'm falling into this trap of making Halliburton and Zach Eady comparisons all morning long. I go back to Brad Underwood's quote when Purdue played Illinois, uh, what was that, a week and a half ago or so. And Brad Underwood's like, we can't be normal when we play Purdue. Like, you, you can't, whatever your plan is defensively, like Mike Woodson's in the same boat today at practice, whatever, and I don't know, Indiana actually has some height, but like whatever you've done normally on defense this season, uh, you do that against Edie and you, you don't have a prayer. So I think a little bit of that is true with ha- Halliburton of like, if you try to be normal with him, he's going to have 28 and 13 assists and zero turnovers and the Pacers are going to get the last laugh and put up 140 on you when he's out of there. Now you can be a little bit more normal, and you don't have to have all this attention his way. Uh, Speaking of Zach Eady, speaking of Indiana Purdue, again, to set you up for tomorrow. By the way, don't cancel the Peacock subscription just yet if you're unable to make it to Assembly Hall tomorrow night. It will be on Peacock, 7 o'clock, Indiana and Purdue Bruce Weber, long, long-time Gene Cady assistant. Obviously, you see him on Big Ten Network. He's going to join us at 9, and Tom Crean at 9.30. Looking forward to having Tom on. I really enjoy Tom Crean's insights uh, when I stumble upon games of him. Oh, he's great, on, he's great on TV. On ESPN. He's fantastic. What would you say, more Big 12 focus for him? A little yeah. bit SEC? Do, do you think uh, you think he can give us some Harbaugh news? You think oh, we should ask boy. if Harbaugh meets with the Chargers? What if Harbaugh calls calls a family and says, you know, what if Crean comes on with us tomorrow at 930, knowing that later that day, Jim Harbaugh is going to accept the job for the Los Angeles Chargers? Come on. Yeah. Throw us a bone here, Tommy. I might, I might let you ask that question, <laughs> and if I could give some advice, maybe ask that at the end. <laughs> we'll do that at the end. He's so tan. 
Tom was so tan at that national title he game. National he looked title great. Game. We got to yeah. ask about the title game. Uh, so Tom's a star. Going to join us coming up at nine thirty again today. Field Yates from ESPN at nine o'clock. Always enjoy the conversations with one of the best out there in the NFL business, and that will be Field Yates here in about thirty. Before that, it's morning check down. Yeah, morning checkdown. Like KB mentioned, Field Yates, ESPN, going to join us coming up at nine o'clock. What well, nine thirty? We'll have uh, we'll have not our poll question. Goodness, help me here. Our pop quiz. We'll have that coming up uh, at nine thirty as well. Again, appreciate the Rising League being part of the show, uh, giving you the morning checkdown. Let's start there with the Pacers in Denver, the World Champions last night, one seventeen, one oh nine. Your final. The Pacers finally lose a game there without Tyrese Halliburton, twenty three and sixteen on the year. One one of the main storylines we've talked about this morning, three-point shooting, just 8 of 29, 27% last night for the Pacers. Rick Carlisle post-game on those struggles. That's Ballard. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have two fours. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, it, that's the Carlisle problem. on Pacers. It's a Monday. We had some good looks, and sometimes it comes down to make or miss. But process-wise, you know, we'll, I'll look at the film, but I liked a lot of them. We got stuck a couple times late clock, but it's a long season, and you know it's men, not machines. You've just got to continue with the same approach and, and the same process and mechanics, and and we'll make our share. You know, as long as the spirit of our team is good. And I thought, you know, there were there were some frustrating segments of the game, but uh, we we held it together uh, pretty well, and uh, we'll have to do the same tomorrow. We should mention, obviously, a loss yesterday afternoon, but Andy, they were great. Friday night in Atlanta. That was a franchise record, 67% field goal percentage. Basically, the 10 guys that played, 9 of the 10 over 50% individually. So, very nice night on Friday. Important to get that win, and that kind of lessened a little bit of the pressure here on this West Coast trip. So, so far, 2-1 and one without Tyrese Halliburton. Again, tonight, it is Utah, 7-point underdog, the Pacers, 9 o'clock tip from Salt Lake City. All right, rewinding a bit to college basketball locally from this weekend. Let's start on Friday night. Indiana, I would say probably their finest 40 minutes of the season as they beat Minnesota 74-62. A very balanced scoring in that one. McKenzie Mbako, 19 points, probably his best game. Again, that matchup tomorrow I think is huge. How does Purdue guard Mbako? Does he continue to play and emerge like he has here in recent weeks? Uh, we did see a benching of Xavier Johnson. Mike Woodson threw out the phrase in-house stuff in describing why Xavier Johnson was benched for that. Uh, Andy, you could bench him for that. Frankly, you could bench him right now for how he looks on the floor. I thought he was the only real negative individually from Friday night as well. I mean, I might be nitpicking, and this just might be because they lose, but can Mike Woodson give us anything? I mean, Mackenzie and Baco, Xavier Johnson. Like, we know why Xavier Johnson got got benched. He got thrown out of the game beforehand. I, I don't know. I mean, can well, Mike Woodson not give us... stuff, doesn't that describe probably the incident <laughs> more than the play? I, I mean, I guess... Like his own play. I'm not saying that yeah. specific play. I mean, the actual X-rated grab that he had. I, I just... I mean, Mike Woodson, everything's in-house. Everything's in-house. Like, okay. Purdue I mean, 95-79 over Penn State. That was a 27-2 to run by the Boilermakers. Absolutely dominant in Mackey back in front of the students. Butler lost to Seton Hall. Had some chances late at yeah, home. That's a Hinkle. rough one. They're not in a position, no. Andy, to have one step forward, one step back. The resume needs 
multiple steps forward. Uh, that was an important one for Butler to control home floor. They will be at Xavier tomorrow night. Uh, quickly in the NFL from Saturday, Texans 45-14 just shredding Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. We haven't talked about it. Flacco, the back-to-back pick sixes, don't see that often. Chiefs and Dolphins 26-7. Pat Mahomes and company move on, move in there. Uh, did you happen to see uh, the viewership? By Peacock, they announced over 23 million viewers. Thoughts on that number? The most streamed event in U.S. history? Yeah, I would love to know how many subscribers. And I would love to know, obviously, how many they keep. Sure. Not just for the trial. So I saw 23 million. I want to say that the stat I saw yesterday was the most watched Thursday night game this season was 15 million. That obviously is relevant to me because that also was a streaming service. Right. You know, Amazon Prime, of course, for Thursday night. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people were in scramble mode trying to, you know, figure out Peacock on Saturday night there. But, um, yeah, welcome to 2024. But you did. You did. Over 23 million people. And then, of course, yesterday, 48-32 Packers over the Cowboys. Lions outlast the Rams 24-23. And as we've mentioned today, Jim Harbaugh will be meeting with the L.A. Chargers today. No, uh, This according to Adam Schefter. No decision is imminent. Obviously, other teams may want to reach out to him. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he's got some time to make a decision here, but that's the first meeting between the two teams. And you would imagine uh, Jim Harbaugh takes that job here in the coming days. I'd Is be surprised. Is the GM opening still there, or did they hire? I saw the name Ian Cunningham. I, I, he I interviewed. Cunningham interviewed? Mm hmm. Okay. So it sounds like they are going to hire a GM. And not, you know. Yeah, Harbaugh's not going to have full say. Give all reins. If you will. To that. The Buffalo Um, Bills still need shovelers, by the way. I did see that as well. That stadium, I mean, the field looks okay. There is nowhere to sit in the stands still. (laughs) I mean, there's just mountains of snow. It is funny that they're like, we are shutting down the city. You cannot travel. But if you want to get paid $20 an hour in free Chick-fil-A, get your ass down to the stadium and shovel us out. Part of me is like, do those fans even care? I mean, they're just... They're no, just, they love it. They're just one of the elements. Well, did you see the dude that was shirtless and, like, sliding down, like, the oh, snow yeah. receptacle? Yeah. Yeah. They That's, deserve season tickets for life. That is one thing that I don't think any of us on this show will ever be. We'll be shirtless guy in the freezing temperatures on national TV showing our chest just oh, to show that we're yourself. men. I was gonna say, is that Kevin, something you would do? Again, if Kevin Notre Dame hosting invited. a playoff game, don't we get into those games now okay. next year? If Micah Shrewsbury says, Kevin Bowen, we need you. Kevin <laughs> Bowen is shirt off within five seconds. We're going to play outdoors. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, Mark, you wouldn't do it, I don't think, for the Bears, and I sure know I would not do it. Well, you two are fans of outdoor stadium teams, so I just the guy you might that have takes, the opportunity. The guy that takes his shirt off and when it's that cold, uh, like, like yes, he probably deserves tickets, but it's also like enough. We've nope. seen it. We know. We knew it was going to be there in Kansas City. Like enough. Stephen Holder posed a question over the weekend on his Twitter account. Like, what was what? What's the coldest you're willing to sit out Ugh. and watch a game? And I was like, the coldest I've ever been was like Bears Falcons on Sunday Night Football. It was like 2008 against Michael Vick, mm. and it was like minus three. Well, oh, jeez, it was Mark, awful. That's a hell of an effort by you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's great. God. That's better than anything I have. I know people that are at the the Chiefs game sitting outside, not not in the uh, Taylor Swift box where they were swag surfing to Lil Wayne. I'm sure you saw that video of the weekend. Four thirty, Bills Ooh. and Steelers. Eight o'clock, Eagles Bucks. We round out Wild Card Weekend. More thoughts on Wild Card Weekend. We'll hand out some goats of the week. Field Yates in twenty five. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Field Yates going to join us at 9 o'clock here on the Wake Up Call. We'll get to him. Reminder, it's going to be a power hour in the 9 o'clock hour tomorrow, getting you ready for Purdue and IU. I almost said Chris Webber. Bruce Weber is going to be joining us. Not Chris Weber. Uh, Bruce Weber at 9 o'clock. Tom Crean coming your way uh, at 9.30. That will be tomorrow. We'll get to our goats of the weekend here in just a second. Any thoughts from you guys on Kalen DeBoer getting the job there at Alabama? How about the radio? segment cancellation that you mentioned on Friday. I told you. Where there's ya. smoke, there's fire. I told you. Uh, it's just wild to think that he was IU's offense coordinator, what, four years ago, and now he's a head coach Boy, Alabama. what an ascension, huh? I mean, think about it. What an ascension from, yeah, from coordinator to, you know, moving up through the ranks to getting his own gig to doing what they did in Washington, bringing Michael Pettix Jr. with him. And, I, listen, I, I know people over the weekend I perhaps thought, you know, you don't want to be the guy that 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 follows the guy. I, I I understand that. I think with Alabama, I thought that was losers' mentality. I don't think these coaches feel that way. But I mean, the numbers that are out there are hilarious. You know, Jimmy Sexton is the super agent there, especially when it comes to college football. I mean, one of his agents was Nick Saban, so Saban retires. And so what three other of his guys, Mike Norvell, Steve Sarkeesian, and who else? There was another one, all got raises. And those are all his clients. And then Caleb DeBoer, also his client, gets 10, <laughs> gets 10 mil a year from Alabama. Jimmy Sexton completely controlling the landscape of college football over the weekend. Yeah, speaking of college Fantastic. football, I saw this. You know, Next year, we're going to get the full playoff. And... That means that the championship game next year, you know, I think we're so used to now falling into the, hey, the championship game is always, what, the Monday after the NFL regular season ends. Um, coming up next year, the championship game for college football, January 20th. Um, wow, that's late. So we're going to get a much different looking college schedule here in the postseason. Uh, it's going to start, I got, the, I got it pulled up right here. December 20th and 21st is when you'll get your opening round games, if you will. Uh, 5 versus 12, 6 versus 11, 7, 10, 8, 9. The quarterfinal games, will, and those first round games, by the way, those will be on campus. So those will be your on campus. The quarterfinal games, those will be at bowl sites, and think of that as your normal New Year's. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, that sequence. Semifinal games will also be at bowl sites. That is January 9th and 10th, so that falls a little bit more into the when the national title in years past has been played. But yeah, January 20th, that will be the championship game for college football coming up next year. How will the football players be able to keep up with their studies, Kevin? Deep into second semester <laughs> at that point, right? <laughs> How will they worry about their 300-level classes if they're playing all this football? Don't we ever think of these things? Should we do our goats from (laughs) the weekend? Uh, Let's fire it up. Goats of the weekend. Might as well. Let's go. Who is the goat? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's here today! That's why he's the goat! The goat! Or goat. Oh. 
This guy sucks. Of the week. Should we start positive, go uh, negative? Where do you want to yeah, go? Yeah, sure. Here? Let's go. Let's go positive. You lead us off. All I right. got mine. My I'm ready to go. Goat from the weekend. I and honestly, I'm focused in one general city for both of my okay. goats from the weekend here. Uh, my goat is the scene last night in Detroit. Uh, I am uh, first off, I love Eminem, so maybe I'm <laughs> a bit of a sucker there for it. Uh, but I just uh, inject that atmosphere into my veins. Uh, to me, that's kind of sports fandom. The 30 year drought of not having a playoff win. Uh, you know, maybe it's the Dan Campbell emotion that I absolutely love as well. I just think the golf storyline is a great one. I don't know if you saw Dan Campbell post-game locker room. Oh, yeah. Jared Goff's good for us, good enough for us. I mean, you know, I mean, that that is a great, great scene. The Stafford element to it all. By the way, Stafford was an absolute warrior last night, gutting it out, making some big-time throws as he tried to get L.A. to win on the road there. But I, I absolutely was obsessed with everything last night. Part of it might come from three kind of duds of playoff games before that, but uh, give me what that was in Detroit, uh, the fandom, the city, as much as I hate the Pistons and everything that happened with the brawl. Good for the Lions, good for their fans last night. Well, I will say the Pistons have paid for it by never. I mean, they won the what the championship in seven, and they haven't won. They haven't won seven games. It feels like since uh, I was gonna go with. I'm going to go with two here. I'm sorry. I know we're supposed to pick one, but let me go with two. Jeez, oh, I, uh, I had a long list. Well, of- well, Green Bay GM Brian, how do you say it? Uh, Kunst, how do you yes, say his name? Is that, how, is that nice how you say his name? There, yeah. uh, well, I want to give props to him for building that young team that was able to go in Dallas. And then secondly, to piggyback that, the Fox camera people who knew where that game was headed to find the saddest Cowboy fans they could find and put their mugs on TV. A tip of the cap, if you will. And Derek Jeter, tip of the cap to the camera people there at Fox, understanding their assignment mark where are you going for your great uh, w- goat of the weekend i will piggyback off of you with the detroit lines how could you not feel happy for those fans that have been long suffering they've been anxiously waiting please give us a postseason give us something guys that were in their 80s crying and everything like that that is what sports <laughs> is all about because you live and die with these teams to see a long suffering fan base finally you know get their just desserts and be able to you know get a win now they get to host the second playoff game. Yeah. That atmosphere was electric. Yeah. Eminem riling up the crowd, all that stuff. Yes, please. Congratulations, Detroit. Couldn't be happier for this that. This might be a little nerd broadcasting thing, too, but I love that Tariko did not say a word before the opening snap of the game. Now, that was Stafford coming onto the field. I think he wanted all of us to hear what that crowd felt like. And then they had the three kneel downs to end it, and they were the long kneel downs. Oh, like, yeah. They had to milk all the play 40 clock, seconds, yeah. And just all of that emotion, to your point about the camera crews, NBC did a great job of painting around the entire stadium to get everybody in that one. Uh, okay, my negative goat of the weekend, I'm not leaving the city of Detroit. The Detroit Pistons <laughs> should be on a two-week suspension from the NFL, uh, excuse me, from the NBA. That okay. Would be. Uh, they have now lost seven straight since their first one of the season. Right. That means they have lost 35 of 36 <laughs> games. Two-week ban from NBA play. <laughs> oh, man. They have to go across, is it Windsor? They have to go to Windsor. <laughs> it is Windsor, yeah. And they have to hang out with all the 18-year-olds in the casinos there. Boom, there you go. In (laughs) Windsor. And the Motor City Cruise, that would be the G League affiliate of the Pistons, they get promoted to the big leagues. The Motor City Cruise will play in the NBA for the next two weeks as the Detroit Pistons, who are the laughing stock. It's the NBA. Anything can happen on any given night. 
such a joke of a franchise and a team right now. 35 of 36 losses. You're banned for two weeks. Motor City Crews, come on down. It's too bad while this uh, Halliburton injury was is lingering that, you know, instead of maybe the Nuggets and the Suns, it's too bad you didn't get Detroit. The Pacers won't play them until Thursday, February 22nd, the next meetup uh, there in Gamebridge well, with the good. Detroit By Pistons. By then they'll have lost 47 <laughs> of 48. Again, the Toronto Raptors were the team they, they beat, what was it, two weeks ago, something like that. I think it was the day you were off. I remember talking about it. Like, shame on the Raptors. How did this happen? Uh, my lowercase go to the week is and and there were a lot of them on Twitter a lot okay and I understand it's Twitter it's a cesspool I get it but on social media the guy who was adamant ah just go ahead and play Bill Steelers (laughs) because his feel good was ruined were there those people laughing oh boy oh yeah Mm -hmm. there were a ton of them oh yeah what what are you gonna put a dome over the whole county listen I don't know what to tell you uh, for people who haven't been up there and Have seen, you seen that the Lake Effect the snow, I mean, yes, of course. The video and the pictures are horrific of the snow that has moved through there. But there's the guy uh, on social media that everybody is soft. Uh, that the governor of New York is soft. That Roger Goodell is soft. That we're not playing Bills Steelers. And like, if you're gonna play that game, then you'll play with a tornado next to you. Like basically, like that's the same thing. Like, and, ah, you just play a football game with a tornado down the road. And it was more that they couldn't get the people, the fans that were going to attend, couldn't get on the highways. That's the biggest travel issue. It wasn't the stadium itself, but it was more getting there would be impossible with, with the conditions that they were dealing with. I, I'm kind of surprised they're even playing today. Yeah. I thought they might move that to Tuesday, which would have thrown a complete wrench into, uh, I mean, into the playoffs, right? You know, it, it really would have. I guess what? You got four or five hours of daylight here this morning. I'm thinking like noon is really when you need to start to kind of ramp up. Yeah. You know, stadium workers have to get in the building, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would think four or five hours because there's no precipitation today, right? Uh, I don't believe no so. More? No, it's supposed to clear up and now they can dig themselves yeah. out. Yeah. 4.30 today, by the way, Bills and Sealers. Uh, the Chicago Bulls held the Ring of Honor ceremony oh on God. Friday. It was horribly conceived. Oh, it was one of the worst things I've ever witnessed in my sports-watching lifetime. I get they scheduled it because the Warriors were in town. You want to have Steve Kerr there. That's fine and good. But if you're going to have a Ring of Honor and you're the Chicago Bulls organization, it starts and stops with, Hey, Michael, can you be in town for now? If not, when? We'll schedule around you. Jordan not being there alone means you shouldn't have done it. Well, he's got then, some Charlotte Hornet, you know, ties to just kind of well, that, tie up down there. That's What's done. MJ do? He's golfing. Yeah. So <laughs> if Jordan's ball. not there, you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Then you have the organization you're showing everybody on the video board. You show the late GM Jerry Krause on there, who was a bit salty back in the day. Fans start booing. They pan to the floor of the court, and his widow is there in attendance, crying, having to be consoled by people on the court. It was awful. It was absolutely horrific. It was a bad look. It was so bad. And then (laughs) Scotty's not there. Scotty Pippen is feuding with everybody in the organization. He's on the outs as well. I mean, I don't even know if the people booing even had a lick of knowledge of what Jerry Krause did for that organization. But there are six banners hanging in the the United Center that would not be there if it wasn't for Jerry Krause GMing that franchise. So shame on fans for booing. And maybe it's from the Last Dance portrayal where they. That's were, what you know, it was. It had to be that. Mark, it's just people exactly not, not it knowing is. any knowledge of the team and all that stuff. It was a horrible, horrible look. It was embarrassing. It was depressing. It was just an awful way to start the week. How do you not have jo- like again, Mark? To your point, before you get to anybody else on the list, Michael, can you make it? 
Yeah. If not when. Was Scotty there? No. Okay, Scott okay, so Scotty was at the Scotty's got some off the court stuff. Well, okay. Scotty was at the Texas A and M UK basketball game on Saturday. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like of all games, he was in college. So you want to know where he was over the weekend? Scotty Bibbon was in college station. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Tie the there, weekend. Didn't he go to Arkansas? Dude, I have no... He went to Arkansas Little Rock. Right, I was going to say. Yeah, that ain't Texas A&M. It's College Station. Field Yates joins us in less than 10 minutes. ESPN's Field Yates going to join us uh, coming up here in about five minutes on the program. KB, you know what it's the anniversary of back in uh, January 15th, 1999. Do you know what was released? If you're looking at my computer right now, you probably saw it. I got no idea. Varsity Blues, baby. The movie. You a Varsity Blues guy? How about that? Did you see, um, I know we talked briefly about the Craig Greg star. Did you see the Blue Chips anniversary on... Uh... I was did. That, was that Friday or Saturday night at Frank or Frankfurt? Uh, speaking of, was it Rick Pitino was in that movie? We need to play the Rick Pitino sound from the weekend. Did you happen to hear that? Of the cast from that, I forgot how many household names. Oh yeah. were in that. Yeah, Rick. Uh, Bunch of cameos. He had some uh, quite the audio <laughs> from this past weekend. Field Yates, ESPN, one of our favorites, joins us next. I appreciate you joining us. 9 o'clock hour broadcasting live here from the drivehuber.com studios. Reminder, take us anywhere in the world. 1075thefan.com. You can stream there. Podcasts also download the app. It's absolutely free. All that at 1075thefan.com. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Field Yates of ESPN. Uh, Nice enough to join us here on this Monday reacting and then obviously previewing the two games later today. Field, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing well, gentlemen. Hope the same to both of you on uh, the third of three straight doubleheader days in the NFL. Very exciting times right now for the postseason. Oh, can't wait. Cannot wait. Obviously, what happened in Buffalo had to be postponed. We'll get to them here uh, in just a second. But what we saw from the weekend, you had like C.J. Stroud, young quarterback, Jordan Love, young quarterback. We saw that in Dallas last night. Is that the storyline or is the overall storyline what happened in Dallas to the Cowboys or maybe the hopelessness with the Miami Dolphins? There's some good and there's some bad. How do you see it? Yeah, I like to wake up uh, on Monday mornings and bring some delight to people's week. So I'll <laughs> okay. focus on the positive right now with the two young quarterbacks. And I wouldn't go so far as saying that we have a changing of the guard, but uh, there was a long stretch, I mean, nearly two decades. We're in the AFC specifically, as you guys know well. It was just Peyton or Tom. And that was going to be the quarterback and the team that was going to be most likely representing the AFC and either the conference championship game or often the Super Bowl as well. And I don't know that we necessarily are ready to declare that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are not going to be a favorite most every season, but it feels like we could be in this era of competitive balance in the AFC. I think there's a real shot that the four final quarterbacks standing in the AFC will be DJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And I would say that each of those fan bases would feel like right or wrong, that their quarterback is the very best out of those four. And then in green Bay guys, I mean, there are a lot of different ways to slice and dice the, the ascension of Jordan love. I'll just say this is that uh, it's very easy for us. uh, And this is definitely the era that we live in uh, 
to decry the merits of a pick or to uh, come down hard on an organization for a, a decision that in the moment feels like a mistake. Uh, but what the Packers have accomplished and the patience that it required and probably the fortitude that it required mentally from their front office to both trade up in the first round to take Jordan Love when you had a quarterback who had just won his third and eventually his fourth NFL MVP in Aaron Rodgers to stand by that decision, never waver, and probably spend a lot of time listening to people like us telling yep. them, telling them, meaning the Packers, that they're a bunch of idiots and they are about to waste uh, you know, another first-round pick. I mean, uh, sometimes playing the long game is an important step in the NFL, and a front office is constantly trying to win now while also sustaining success going forward. And, um, you know, huge credit to the Packers for finding a player in Jordan Love who looks like he is going to be the kind of guy that can keep them in the NFC playoff mix for a long time. He's the great Field Yates. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Field, apologies if my Josh Downs fantasy football advice for you late in the year didn't get you over the hump. Oh, uh, you there. came through, KB. You, you told I? me when to when to press. You, you told me when I should have my foot on the gas pedal and when I should stand down and instead pivot elsewhere. But uh, what a great—I mean, a great first half fantasy wise for Josh, who obviously is going to be a real keeper for this team for quite some time. He certainly is. Field Yates, of course, fantasy focus all over ESPN, first draft podcast. Now we get into draft season as well. Um, a fan t- tossed this question to me over the weekend field, so I'll kind of throw it y- y- your way. Uh, let's say you're your expansion team GM right now. You pick any quarterback in the NFL. How many QBs you taking over C.J. Stroud? Uh, I was, I've done this exercise. Uh, I can't remember the exact form. I think it might've been at work recently. And the list was not much longer than five. And, you know, there are healthy conversations surrounding basically every player. When you factor in age, I'm assuming that people are not factoring in contract right now because CJ, even as the second overall pick which pays them some 9 million or 10 million bucks a year, almost that's still a tremendous value, right? That's 20% of what the going rate of a, top quarterback is these days but you know I think Patrick Mahomes has earned the right to be number one in that conversation and will be for quite some time given his resume but it's Patrick Mahomes it's Lamar Jackson Josh Allen you know I think that the the conversation Joe Burrow is included in that conversation as well and then I think that CJ right there is sort of in the mix you know guys like Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott who that one seems a little flimsier after what happened yesterday, but Dak was terrific for much of this year. That's the kind of air that C.J. Stroud is already breathing. And if I forgot, Justin Herbert, you know, guys like that, I'm sure there are a couple others on the periphery, and you're trying not to be a prisoner of the moment. But with C.J., I think what stands out is, like, just the poise, right? I mean, if you had told me that was his first game on a Saturday afternoon in the playoffs, I would have told you no way. He just seems so remarkably calm. And he's a young player, too, like, we're in this draft, upcoming draft cycle that uh, is going to have, I think, at least one quarterback who's going to go in the top five, maybe even the top three, and Jaden Daniels, who I absolutely love from LSU. I think the guy has a real case as the second best quarterback in the entire draft. And this is not a knock on Jaden, but he's you know he's 23 already. Like he's got some real experience underneath his belt as a five-year college player. You know, CJ played three years at Ohio State, one year as a backup. Like. The amount of uh, poise and the amount of experience that it seems like he has for a guy who really hasn't played that much ball relative to other quarterbacks that we're talking about in that conversation, to me, really stands out. 
Yeah, I mean, just go back to that Colts game from last Saturday, and they get behind the chain so often on that final drive. I mean, they just shredded the Browns' defense. Stroud delivered. And again, that's that's the Browns' defense. It's not some joke of a unit by any means. Again, Field Yates with us. Uh, The first draft, one of my favorite listens, him and Mel Kuyper Jr. Coming out today. Coming out today? Awesome. Uh, That's great. Not not, not only are we coming out today with a new one, but if if you're sitting at home with, with the kiddo and it's not nap time, Two o'clock on Mondays, we're gonna start making our TV debuts. So uh, if you're really you go. feeling like you want some draft content, two p.m. Eastern time on ESPN two, we'll have a lot of fun there. I love what I'm hearing with that. All right, fifteen overall for the Colts. Um, you've thrown out some wideout names, certainly on uh, this this year's edition of first draft uh, here in recent weeks. Uh, let's throw out a wideout in fifteen in that general range, if you don't mind, and then maybe a defensive player you like, because I still think edge rusher is a need for this team moving forward. Yeah, it's like the Colts had a lot of guys who are solid edge rushers, right? Guys who could have, you know, generate somewhere between like six and ten or so sacks in a, in a given year, but it feels like that dominant pure pass rusher is probably still not on the right. roster at this present moment, at least in his current form. Wide receivers, I think you're going to be uh, you're, you're going to be out of luck if you're looking for, hoping for anybody uh, named Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze from, of course, Ohio State, LSU, and Washington, respectively. That next tier of wide receivers, though, is terrific. I think Keon Coleman is probably the name that people should be most familiar with. It's in that 15 or so range. Played at Florida State after transferring from Michigan State, so you might be familiar with some Colts fans in Big Ten country. Uh, I, I would I, I make the joke often that um, Keon could give the Pacers some minutes uh, at power <laughs> forward. I, I hadn't made it specific to the Pacers, but uh, I bet Rick Carlisle would love having him on this roster as well because uh, the guy can absolutely – he can run and he can jump. He's uh, probably the best 50-50 ball player amongst all the wide receivers at the top of the heap in this year's draft class, 25%. Of his catches this year were turned into touchdowns. He actually did play, by the way, basketball uh, his freshman season at Michigan State. So he is a legit hooper. Um, you know, the production relative to catches and yards wasn't quite the same as uh, those other three receivers that are going to go a little bit higher. But that's in part because, as we know, Florida State was a defensive team this year. But Coleman, uh, if he has the kind of combine that I anticipate he could have, which could be, you know, running a really strong floor at 40 and jumping out of the gym, is probably in that, you know, maybe 12 to 13 range, 15 if things don't shake out in his favor. Uh, and then defensively, you know, the edge rusher class uh, has a couple of players at the top of it that I think are both excellent, both very different types of players. Leatu Latu is from UCLA. Uh, he actually transferred from Washington, where at one point, guys, he was medically retired because of a neck injury. Uh, and actually shades of Jalen Phillips, now of the Miami Dolphins, who transferred from UCLA to Miami. He was medically retired at UCLA, ends up returning, somehow goes to Miami, gets the medical clearance. Same thing happened with Leatu Latu. Uh, best pure pass rusher right now in the country, uh, in the class, Athletically, not the same level, though, as a guy like Dallas Turner from Alabama, who, as you guys know, Alabama every year is turning out two, three, four, five potential first-round picks. And on defense, Turner had a terrific season this year. Somebody had to fill the Will Anderson void. He did a good job of doing exactly that. He's a freak athletically. I mean, this guy could play edge rusher. Uh, He plays snaps and stand-up inside linebacker. You know Nick Saban. Uh, who, of course, kept off an incredible career, loves his versatility amongst defensive players. So if you're looking for the guy that all you need him to do is just make life miserable for opposing offensive tackles, Leia Tulatu is the one. 
if you're and he may and he may not be there by the way at pick 15 but uh, depending on how things shake out with the offensive tackles of course the quarterbacks and uh, and wide receivers then uh, certainly one of those two players could be there for the Colts the big thing that Indianapolis wants in this year's draft uh, at 15 unless they plan to move up which we know will be very expensive is they want J.J. McCarthy Bo Nix Michael Penix to all have terrific weeks uh, in Indianapolis and have a great pre-draft process because while I don't so think that any of those guys is a lock to be a top 15 pick I think there is a scenario in which any of them could be a top 15 pick if they kind of woo the various coaches and scouts of teams that are kind of in that weird purgatory territory for quarterbacks, whether it's the the Raiders or whether it's the Broncos who don't seemingly have the long-term answer on their roster, those quarterbacks move up the board. It's only going to help the Colts who will uh, be the beneficiaries for guys sliding down just a few spots. Field Yates with us just quickly. Bill Steelers, Eagles, Bucks today. How do you think those games shake out? Any strong opinions on the games coming up later today? I think Buffalo takes care of business at home. They found something, you know, it hasn't always been pretty down the stretch, but they have uh, found something. I just, you know, the weather we'll see, I, you know, looks like it's going to be uh, less of an issue than it would have been yesterday, obviously, but I, I wouldn't say this is playing inside. Uh, this is not being, uh, this is not Lucas Oil uh, accommodations right now. Uh, I, think, I think they win. And then tonight, guys, gosh, I'd love to tell you I had a strong feeling on the Bucks and the, and the Eagles. I think the Eagles have more talent top to bottom, but they are reeling right now. Wouldn't surprise me if Tampa finds a way with no A.J. Brown for Philadelphia. And Jalen Hurst is off the injury report, but dealing with a, uh, you know, a thumb issue doesn't seem ideal for a quarterback. So I think Tampa finds a way uh, to put Philly's season to an end. Again, first draft, that is the podcast. Must listen coming out later today. Field Yates, Mel Kuyper Jr., draft season right around the corner. Field, thank you, my man. Hopefully uh, we'll run run into each other here at the Combine uh, in about a month and a half. Safe flights are booked. Can't wait already. Let's go. Field Yates, thank you, Field. (laughs) Appreciate it, Field. Right there, ESPN. Appreciate him waking up with us on this Monday morning. You know, he used the phrase, are we being prisoner of the moment with C.J. Stroud? I don't think we are. Um, I don't, I, I just, if you look back at Saturday, they flashed up this graphic kind of late in the game and you brought it up, Andy, this is the Browns defense. I mean, this is the, the defense in the NFL all throughout the season. Um, the Browns p- brought pressure on eight pass attempts that CJ Stroud had. He was seven for eight on those eight pass attempts. I saw he got the ball out the quickest he had, uh, all season long against Cleveland on Saturday, and think back to the C.J. Stroud, whatever, discourse, narrative, insert your big word there from April. Oh, the S2 test scores with C.J. Stroud. (laughs) He's not a great processor, (laughs) this and that. Damn, just show me Saturday night and what he did in that game against the best defense. You know, we saw it firsthand at Lucas Oil the week prior, but it was another reminder against a much better defense, Um, you know, how would he play in his first playoff game, et cetera, et cetera. Outstanding by him. Uh, Two things. Number one, we have to bring to air because we totally forgot about it. And last week we had Chris Ballard press conferences and we had to mourn the end of the cold season. And then, you know, you throw in Pacers and the Halliburton injury and everything else. So we dropped the ball and I'm not running from it. I owe Mark Dykton beer oh. because he said the Texans were yep. going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And this is right when uh, CJ got the concussion. 
and then they went one and one in those two games, and I'm flying high, and I have the Steelers or Bengals or Colts. I have all these teams in my back pocket, uh, and he won. So, Mark, I mean, you think about it. If you want, if you want a a, a souped up nice IPA four pack, mm. if you just mm. want some PBR, if you anything in between, you just okay. let me know. Uh, I have a huge refrigerator as well, so if you want to do a little grab bag from Andy Whoa. Sweeney's refrigerator, we can do that. We can. It's up to you. I kind of like that. I one. owe you. And so we'll do that. We need to do that. Okay. So there you go. That's nice. okay. Mark. I, I, yeah. I, I dipped in my own fridge today or over the weekend since since Andy hadn't paid up. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> my Texans are playing right now. I, I wish Texans. the Colts were, but I still am owed some beer here. No, you're owed beer. Absolutely. So that we will, I mean, I can do it tomorrow. I can bring something in the next day. We will, we will get that taken care of. The other thing I would say is, let me ask it this way. We, we are not prisoners of the moment with Stroud. I mean, he's been great all season. It's not like they were a defensive team that won 13-10 and then they got to the postseason and CJ threw up a 300-yard game. That's not what they've been. If we were to be a prisoner of the moment for something that happened this weekend, what would it be? I, and yeah, I could, the, the, that could be on the positive side or the negative side. Like people are overreacting to the Cowboys losing or what happened to Miami looking listless in Kansas City. And is there anything you point to and say, ah, we might be overreacting a little bit? Yeah. I mean, my first two thoughts were are we crowning Jordan Love maybe a little bit too early? Okay. And That's then fair. the other one is like Miami really should move on from Tua. Miami's the one for me that I like. Have I don't we know not what seen to do. Miami's quarterback picture for the last X amount of years, and, and, and I get. And this is why that Sunday night game against Buffalo was so damn important for Miami. You fall a little bit into the trap with them of kind of those Colts playoff teams of they better be indoors, like they they, they need the controlled environment, and that's the thing about the AFC. I mean, if you look at it right now, you know Buffalo or Kansas City or Baltimore. You know, a lot of these teams, it's outdoor atmospheres that you're going to have to go through at some point unless you get home field. Then Miami would not have had home field had they beaten Buffalo, but they would have guaranteed two home games had they, of course, won in round one. They would have been the two seed, so they would have been at home for rounds one and two had they won that opening game. But I just, yes, Tua needs a lot around him to be pretty good, but they also had a ton of injuries late in the season. If they can kind of further bolster that offensive line, I know it's not a ringing endorsement maybe of him as a player, but Andy, I fall into the trap of what else you're going to do? Kirk Cousins? Like, what? what is the answer? I think, I think the Dolphins, I happen to think the Dolphins and Cowboys, but even more so Miami. Listen, we know Dallas, they're a bunch of frauds when they get to the postseason. Uh, it's fine. They can, listen, they might win... 12 games next uh, regular. They might win the AFC East next year. That would not surprise me. They get into the postseason. They're a mess. KB, Miami is the one to me that I just don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't because you're right. You can't discard Tua, but you can't pay him like Mahomes either. Can you? Or maybe the answer is you can. I mean, he. He looked like he had a noodle arm, and I know. Uh, listen, the thing yeah, would be: Do is we chalk the, that up to well, like that's the you're never going to play, or you're very yeah, rarely going to play in zero th- degree weather? Th- that's the question. But Miami beat nobody this year, and you go back to um, the game at the end of the year. I go to the Tennessee game where they led by what was it, fourteen with two minutes to go, and, and you lose to Will Levis at home. I'll, I'll even go. Yeah, but what me, else to that are you game. doing there? What? Uh, I, 
that's that's why I think to me Miami is the most fascinating. Is you feel like you have a coach who's above average. You feel like Tua is well above average. You have two dynamic wide receivers. You have a couple running backs that are, you know, very good players. I mean, Mostert had a great year, and then is it a Kane uh, came in and mm-hmm. as, as a rookie was is lightning right? And those two guys combined for fourteen carries. I, I thought. I mean, could you line up and could you? Now they had a lot of injuries at the end of the year. Could you line up though and run the ball at at Kansas City? I mean, they just they were never in that game. Yeah, I just thought it it's was. Just, I don't know what to do. I thought it was just a horrible situation for them. Not to say had the game been in Miami, all of a sudden I would have thought the Dolphins are going to win this game. But I just thought there was no chance. You know, just so banged up throughout the year, throughout the week. Um, you know, to his contract, if you look at it, he's got that fifth year team option that now kicks in. So he 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 is a huge pay raise here for twenty twenty four. But the thought is often, Andy, with these guys, particularly quarterbacks, going into the final year of their deal, and he's due to be a free agent in twenty twenty five, this would be the time where you extend him. I, I I think you have to extend him. I think you have to. And again, a I lot agree. of it falls into the what else are you going to do? But I think you look long and hard and say we've got to make sure that our offensive line continues to get you know bolster that group, and if we can protect him because he did stay healthy. You know that was the question coming in the year: would he stay healthy? And he had a healthy season. Um, and they just they're a team that right now they they have to get home field, and that's where you get into kind of the weird situation with some of these you know past first playoff teams. Like when we look at the weather today in Buffalo. The worse the weather, the better it is for the visitors. Like, Pittsburgh wants it to be ugly. Buffalo is more built to be the finesse team, kind of through the air, unless you're running Josh Allen 30 times in a game. Kansas City proved this year that they could win a little bit uglier with the emergence of Pacheco and their defense starting to rise a little bit as well. But, you know, some of these teams in years past, when you've gotten in these outdoor weather games, it's been more of a, you know, the home team's kind of been at the disadvantage almost because with Mahomes and Allen in particular, they're ones that obviously want to throw it a whole lot. And I just thought Saturday night was such an anomaly weather-wise. I mean, remember the shootout we got a few years ago, Kansas mm-hmm. City-Buffalo in the playoffs? Right. I mean, you can easily get that weather game. And I don't know, maybe know. Tua in 25-degree weather or 30-degree weather, maybe he looks as bad as he did Saturday night. But I think so much of it does revolve around what else you're going to do. You, you, you're a little pot committed with him right now and having to give him this extension. Yeah, Tua's going to make 23 mil this coming season, and thus far, you've paid him nothing. I mean, he's right. been on this that rookie starts. contract. Yeah. And then, and then now the, the second, decisions begin. And then the second contract kicks in after that. Again, uh, coming up today at 4.30, it is Bills and Steelers. So that game was pushed, and boy, Mark, you are right. Um, did you retweet that, yes. that, uh, well, that video? I, I, yeah, from my account, yeah, but... Do that from the show account as well. Uh, They are a 10-point favorite Buffalo over Pittsburgh, and at that stadium right now, there are still tons and tons of snow in the seats, really, and in the tunnel areas. Uh, Think like walking from the concourse to your seats that they still have to remove. Uh, That is 4.30 today for that kick. And then 8.15 tonight, Philly is a three-point favorite over Tampa. We know no A.J. Brown, and as Field Yates just said to us right there, Andy, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, how many throws has he even had this week? You talk about a guy that's probably glad he's in, you know, decent weather. 
That would be Tampa the night. Who did you guys take in these games? Did everyone here take Buffalo? We all did, right? Yeah. What about the late game? Because I took, I took Philly. I reluctantly took Philly. Yeah, that's how I feel. One thing we didn't ask, uh, if we had a couple more minutes with Field, I would have asked the question that you posed to me, which is, if I put the over at one and a half, uh, coaching changes, you know, starting now, and that's playoff teams or teams that have kind of been dragging their feet on what they're going to do with their head coach. What would you take? Would you take the over at one and a half uh, or the under? I don't ever see Philly moving away from Sirianni, but if Sirianni got blown blown out forty to seven, would there be a conversation? I do think Mike McCarthy would probably get the axe there. I mean, I Jerry Jones will. would not address that specifically post game, but. His comments, I'm floored. This is the one of the most embarrassing losses that I've been part of. I mean, just those specific comments, even if he's not going to comment on Mike McCarthy's job status, those to me tell me everything you need to know. And again, this gets back to a debate we had earlier in the show. Does Jerry Jones, which I know this doesn't really fall into the common thought of people getting older in life, but does he look in the mirror and say, all right, enough is enough with the types of coaches I've had. Do we need the big personality? Do we try and make the splash for a Belichick? I just, I, I that's there's something Jerry Jones pulls. I, I just don't know if that's going to align with Bill Belichick. But both are desperate. Belichick wants to keep that's coaching. The key word. Yeah, he you wants to keep coaching. Jerry I know. Jones. I, oh yeah, I absolutely. You are. And Belichick's yeah. not going to a team that you know needs a few years to get going. He wants a ready-built team to go. Cowboys would fit that bill. Would the Cowboys be the best job out there? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You don't you, you don't want the Justin Herbert idea? Uh, if I had to choose between those two, I would still I would still go with Dallas just because Dallas's roster from top to bottom is better than the Chargers. And what's good and bad is just the amount of fan support that they have. You know, the Chargers have none. We understand that. The Chargers have to go silent count at home <laughs> when they face off against San Francisco or a Buffalo uh, or the Cowboys or somebody like that. No, you're going to a freak show place. You're going to, they have all the fans and they want to win and they're desperate and they haven't won in, you know, 25 years. Freak show place? Oh, the Cowboys, absolutely. Absolutely. I just love when they when they're when they're behind and Jerry's Jerry's looking back and he's angry. It's like Jerry, the answer's not back there, buddy. Yeah, I honestly could have <laughs> gotten my glasses. Was it, was it Pip? Was that the thing back in the day? Picture in picture. Yeah, Pip. Yeah, I almost was a voting pip. for a Pip yesterday from Fox. Yeah, man, that's a great idea. The Jerry just keep cam. it on Jerry. Well, if. Now, Fox doesn't do this, but ESPN does a lot of alternate broadcasts. You know, know, you're watching the national title game. They have Pat McAfee. They used to have the coaches room. They have, you know, a whole set of other people watching the game and commenting. If Fox or CBS or NBC or Peacock or anybody ever did that, an alternate broadcast where you just had funny guys, you know, funny men and women talking about the game with a Jer- with a with a camera straight on Jerry the entire time, that's I mean, a good idea. Hell, all these owners, David Tepper, oh, it's a great idea. One after him, oh, Tepper might throw a drink. drink on you. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. national championship had one one of the broadcasts where it was like a field, a, a view of the field, and then there was a camera on each of the head coaches. I'm like, man, put one on Jerry Jones. That would have been. Great. Just have the field, the game play out, and just watch Jerry's reaction during every play. Oh, it's another pick six for the Packers. Oh, geez. I mean, don't you have to feel this week we're going to get Harbaugh and Belichick? 
this week. Well, again, the news from earlier today, Harbaugh meeting with the Chargers uh, today, yeah, I today. believe. Uh, Leslie Frazier, I think, was the other interview that they have yes. already conducted there. So um, it does seem like we're kind of waiting for the first big domino. You know, Mayo, Gerard Mayo to the Patriots, that, that was kind of eh, not a foregone conclusion, but obviously behind the scenes that had been worked out for a while there. So it does seem like we're starting to get into that mid-January period of, and, and you know, you still have some of these coaches, Andy, whether it's Ben Johnson with the Lions, yep. or you know, Bobby Slowick, the play yep. caller in Houston. The more you win, you now fall into the Shane Steichen sort of timeline from last year of you get delayed and you get delayed and you get delayed. So how will that impact some of these openings as well? Um, all right, this time tomorrow, I do want to make sure you mention this. Tom Crean is going to join us coming up at 9.30 tomorrow. We'll have Bruce Weber at 9 o'clock. Really looking forward to kind of getting that coaching angle of IU Purdue. Obviously, that is tomorrow at 7 o'clock for the resume. Certainly means much more to Indiana for Purdue's fandom and their sanity, maybe. It means quite a lot after having lost three or four to the Hoosiers there. So goes without saying when these two fall on the schedule, what it means here in the state. Really looking forward to both of those guys joining us coming up tomorrow in the 9 o'clock hour. Pop quiz in a few. Mark, we continue to give away. Tickets to the Indy Golf Expo? Yes, yes. Indy Golf Expo this weekend, the Friday, 19th through the 21st Saturday, at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. So, yeah, pair of tickets, uh, whether you win or lose on the pop quiz. 317-239-1070 for that. So let's do a morning check now. The morning check down. Brought to you by the KB, you'll like this. Not in the Buffalo area, but the New York City area. I know some people, you know, obviously that live in that area. You know, they were up in the 50s this weekend. They were out golfing. <laughs> they were out golfing. Speaking of uh, the Indy Golf Expo, so. I wish that was the case. Yeah, you could still golf. All right, let's talk about it. Pacers, 117-109 losers last night. Now 2-1 and one without Tyrese Halliburton. 23-16 and 16 overall. One of the big games for the Pacers uh, was Bruce Brown, who played fantastic. Coming back to Denver, he also got his ring, uh, you know, with the ring ceremony and everything before the game. Post game, here's Rick Carlisle on uh, Bruce Brown getting that ring. Yeah, I was very impressed. You know, I was very happy for him. I think all of our people, um, you know, our party, our players, our staff, really happy for him. The, the moment where you get your championship ring is like once in a lifetime type thing in most cases. And uh, the love he was getting from their players and their fans was uh, was very, very special. And to be able to jump into the game and have the kind of game he had was uh, was really great too. So really happy for him. Special, special day. Hope he has a ring somewhere where it's not going to get lost. Get 18 and 10, six assists in 33 minutes for Brown. And he talked post game about the ring ceremony. No, it was great. I mean, I, it was more than what I expected. I didn't know the, the crowd was going to cheer like that. I almost started crying, but I had to hold it in because um, I told one of the fans I wasn't going to cry. So it was tough. I, I, loved, I loved it, though. Next up for the Pacers, 9 o'clock tomorrow, no, tonight, I should say, uh, in Utah. Our coverage here on the fan beginning at 8.30. Yeah, Portland, Sacramento, Thursday, Friday, and Phoenix on Sunday. That rounds out the West Coast trip for the Pacers. And again, we're a week out from Tyrese Halliburton, Rick Carlisle, probably Wednesday this week for him due to their West Coast trip, altering the schedule a bit. All right, let's go back this weekend from a college basketball standpoint here locally. Boy, you talk about national. Did you see nine Losses for top 10 teams this past week. It was curious, a bloodbath out there. Here's what the yeah, polls look like here 
when they come out later today. Um, let's start with Friday night, though. Indiana over Minnesota, 74-62. I think probably the finest effort of the season for Indiana when you talk about 40 minutes in full control early on in that game. McKenzie Mbako, 19 in that one. We'll get more into Indiana-Purdue tomorrow. How Purdue guards Mbako I think is going to be a big one to keep an eye on. Nothing really obvious to me jumps off the page for the Boilers in that particular matchup. We did see Xavier Johnson benched. Mike Woodson called it in-house stuff. Uh, when he was on the floor on Friday night, he wasn't good either. So a lot of Gabe Cups, it looks like, coming up tomorrow night. And then for Purdue, 95-79 over Penn State, a 27-2 run for the Boilermakers early in that one. Zach Eady, video game numbers again for him. 30 minutes played, 30 points, and 20 rebounds. Just incredible what Eady continues to do. Braden Smith had 11 assists for Purdue. So important for both these teams. After road losses last week, get back at home, take care of business, and that sets up one tomorrow. I will set the line, Andy Sweeney. I will say Purdue is a three and a half point favorite for tomorrow night. Oh, please. I hope so. Little Gas is going to, he's going to be going to college. Let's go. Three and a half. I'll take that. You went nine and, and a half, half last yeah, week. It's probably, it's probably closer to five and a half. I'll still say it's a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Indiana's home court advantage is as good of a home court advantage as you can have I would agree. in college basketball. So does it matter? I, I think that does matter. You asked before the game, and we'll get to this, if there's one guy that could, like quote unquote, carry them backcourt wise, I could see Trey Galloway having a, having a great game. It was Kansas, right, where he had a big game even though they lost. He had yeah, a career he was, high and everything else. He distributed great on yeah. you know, Friday night. Obviously, his assignment he would be the guy. Will be impo- I'm curious. I assume it'll be Cups on Braden Smith, but do you want a little bit more length with Galloway on Braden Smith? Try to take a little bit you know, ahead of the stink there. So Some interesting matchups we'll obviously get into tomorrow there. Butler loses to Seton Hall on Saturday. Had some chances late in that game. Again, for Butler and their resume right now, they can't afford one step forward, one step back, that sort of thing. They are at Xavier. That is 500 Xavier. Shocked to see them that poor this season. Uh, That'll be tomorrow at 6. Especially that's my guy, Sean Miller. What's he doing? Sweaty Sean Miller, Come right? Come on, sweaty Sean Miller. Speak, just speaking of, you mentioned top 25 teams that lost. What, yesterday you had Illinois lose in college basketball. On Saturday, you had Kentucky lose, Houston lose, Oklahoma lost, Arizona lost again. Uh, da, 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 who else lost? San Diego State lost. Houston lost twice. Yeah, they lost in twice. One week, they're, right? they're one and two yeah. in the Big Twelve. And Texas lost to West Virginia, who got their first conference win. West Virginia six and ten on the season. So this weekend was an absolute bloodbath. Uh, quickly, college or college football, uh, NFL Steelers Bills tonight four thirty. That one on CBS, Eagles, Bucks, ESPN at 8.15. And like we talked about, KB, uh, Jim Harbaugh set to meet later today with the L.A. Chargers. Their first meeting, a lot of people have linked these two for many, many weeks. The thinking is, you know, he could take that job this week. That would be the first big domino. NFL divisional schedule coming up for this weekend. It'll be get set a little bit more tonight, but if you're curious, basically what you're going to have, we have one game that is definitely set in stone with a time. That is going to be Packers and 49ers. That'll be our Saturday night game at 8 o'clock. We know the Lions are going to play Sunday at 3. They will host the winner tonight of Eagles and Bucks. Um, so, again, we know Packers 49ers Saturday at 8. Lions are going to be in the 3 o'clock Sunday window. Uh, it looks like the Texans will be the first game on Saturday. They will either play Kansas City or Baltimore, obviously on the road, for either of those matchups. 
Uh, and then the other game gets a little bit chaotic of exactly the start time and everything. But uh, we'll go over that divisional schedule for you uh, tomorrow, obviously. It'll get set in stone coming up tonight. But two games Saturday and two games Sunday for the divisional round weekend. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. Again, a pair of tickets to the Golf Expo coming up at the State Fairgrounds this weekend. 317-239-1070. Give us a call. Two tickets coming your way. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, we appreciate on this Monday uh, Scotty hooking us up, giving us a pop quiz today. Plus, we got to get these uh, these indie golf tickets out there as well. KB, are you going out to that? I think I've asked you this. You need a new glove, or what do you need for this? I think uh, so. I mean, honestly, game? I just what? love walking around that thing. Oh yeah, it's always a sight to see. Oh yeah, um, I just so didn't yeah, know if you needed uh, shoes or uh, some new slacks. I always look at it and say, you never know what you need, and that's why you go to those things. <laughs> that's why you go, you see something. I'll probably have to take Rosie. I don't know. Max uh, is starting to get, move too much for my liking in the in the public setting. Yeah, that might be the case. Uh, all right, I'll let you pick the uh, the collar if that's okay. Uh, well, you let's fire go away. One here, Mark. Let's go with our uh, fast fingers. All right, Steve. Steve, good morning. How are you, man? I'm I'm doing well, Kevin. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, Kevin's right here. He's fine. Uh, hey, Steve. Steve, are, do you have your window open? You don't have your window open, do you? No, I don't have my window open. Now, Steve, refresh our memory. You've got some ties to Kansas City, correct? Are you a Chiefs fan? I uh, know it would be the. I used to live in De Pere, Wisconsin, which was out, which is a suburb immediately outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, so you're more of a Packers guy. I can hear the. Well, whistle. You know I can hear the Wisconsin in his voice. Yeah. What, what living in Green Bay meant is that I could go grocery shopping on Sunday during football season and not have to wait in line. God. <laughs> There's no more old man comment than that right there from Steve. I love it. Uh, well, Steve, congrats on the Golf Expo tickets. A uh, pair of them coming your way. Um, Steve usually gives a pretty committed effort here on the Pop Quiz, so I'm looking forward to this one. All right, let's do it, Steve. Uh, Andy, go ahead and lead us off. All right, question number one, Steve. The Pacers lost to the Nuggets yesterday in Denver. The Nuggets had three players score 25 points. But I'm asking you, who led the Pacers in scoring yesterday? Was it Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, Andrew Nemhard? Bruce Brown. Uh, Buddy healed because Bruce Brown was more concerned about where he was going to put his ring. Boy, that was a shot of Bruce <laughs> Brown, Steve. You sure you want to go down that path? You want to rethink that one? I thought he played pretty well yesterday with the bling on. Uh, that would be Bruce Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Number two here, the Lions, Steve, picked up their first postseason win since the 91 campaign with their victory over the Rams last night. Who did the Lions beat on January 5th, 1992? Did they beat the Redskins, the Packers, the Cowboys, or the 49ers? The 49ers. All right, question number three. Who was the Lions starting quarterback in the last playoff win, January 1992? Was it Rodney Pete? Eric Kramer, Scott Mitchell, or Chuck Long? The first guy. Rodney, Rodney Pete. Pete. 
right. Number four here on this day in 67, Super Bowl one was played at the L.A. Coliseum with the Green Bay Packers beating the Kansas City Chiefs 35-10. to 10. Who scored the first points in Super Bowl history? Was it Max McGee, Mike Mercer, Jim Taylor, or Curtis McClinton? Uh, Max McGee. There you go. All right, Steve. Question number five. On this day in 1990, Don Nelson became the second man in NBA history to appear in 1,000 NBA games as a coach and 1,000 games as a player. Who was the first? Jerry Sloan, Lenny Wilkins, Pat Riley, George Carl. Uh, Lenny Wilkins. Okay. I saw a finish there. Yeah. Not too bad, Steve. Steve, have a good day. Are you worried about Marquette, Steve? I am worried about Marquette. Um, No, it's uh, it's a long season, but uh, they play today at two thirty against Villanova on Fox, and uh, that'll be a telling game. An interesting fact about Max McGee is when he retired from the Packers, he wound up and made a fortune being a franchisee of Chi-Chi's Mexican restaurant. I remember Chi-Chi's. Really? Oh yeah. God, I can't tell you last time I've been to a Chi-Chi's or seen a Chi-Chi's. I'm more of a Chi-Chi Rodriguez guy, talking about golfers there. Uh, well, thank you, Steve, for that knowledge right there. Four and five, correct. Boy, how about the Bruce Brown slander to lead off the uh, pop see, quiz? Yeah, correct, though. <laughs> he's worried about where he's going to hold, hold his ring. Like You're Bruce, damn right he is. He acted like Bruce Brown had three points in the game. Yeah. He, had 18 and ten, he had 18, 10, and didn't he have like six assists? He played 33 best, minutes. Best player yesterday. <laughs> Uh, that was it, though. Uh, well, you got those three right, I guess. Yeah! Uh, did not get number two. Who did the Lions beat for their last playoff win? Andy, he said 49ers. As Dallas Cowboys, 38-6, the Silver Dome. Eric Kramer, not Rodney Pete. Yeah, Eric Kramer. Eric Kramer also, I believe, has a book out, I think I saw over the weekend. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just, he has a book out. So there you go. Uh, Congratulations heard the Dan Campbell halftime speech, and she's now a fan. Yeah, can I say something about Dan Campbell? This is all revisionist history. When he got hired, he was the guy who gave the quote, but he was the football meathead guy. Sure. He wasn't seen as the smart guy no, who could smart, who no. could do all the offensive right. stuff and everything else. And then, I forget the name, KB, but there he was... He was a dumb dude you wanted the Oklahoma drill it, to win it. Exactly. He was talking about biting kneecaps and how much coffee he drank and all, the, and all that's funny stuff and they're great quotes, but he's a damn good coach as well. There was someone, and I'm blanking on the name, who was going to get an interview this time around somewhere, one of these jobs, in the last couple days. And they say, the NFL is looking for the next Dan Campbell. And I thought, well, ain't that rich? He, I mean, he was a couple years ago. He was kind of seen as the buffoon when all these well, smart he guys the, he were being hired. He was the interim in Miami, is that right? Or New Orleans? He was the interim in one of those places. Scotty, oh, can you can you look that up? I ought to look that up. You know, you're right. I just can't remember. And he had a decent little run there. I mean, yeah. you know, like a, yeah. not, maybe not quite Antonio Pierce level, but he had a bit of a run. And yeah, it was it was 2015. It was after Philbin was got let go. Remember Joe Philbin? Gosh, it was that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Do I remember Joe Philbin? Yeah, <laughs> hell, he was a Colts assistant. <laughs> He also had the most... He had built this, a house here. I thought he was going to be here forever. He had a very sad face to Joe Philbin. Yeah. I always thought. He just kind of looks sad all the time. Hard knocks, I don't think it was good for Joe Philbin. If I, uh, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, but I just, you know, I mean, come on. I'm not hating, but, you know, Dan Campbell was seen as, was, as a football meathead. And now, 
uh, he is seen as a leader of men. It's just interesting how that happens well, sometimes. You saw it yesterday, that early fourth down that they went for. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is uber aggressive from a coaching standpoint. I know the nerd, the football nerd in me loved the when they had Dan Skipper eligible yesterday, that play call that they had. Because <laughs> now the Skipper thing has turned into the defense has got to be like, where is he lined up at? They, right. They're waiting for the next wrinkle. And they ran a great play there with Skipper in the game to get Sam Laporta free for that touchdown early on. So uh, I loved it. I love the scene last night. I love it all. Give me more Marshall Mathers. Give me more Lions football. Uh, I am all in. Uh, all right, we'll do one final time here. Wake up call. KB and Andy. Appreciate Field Yates joining us. You miss any of that or any of our football, a little basketball conversation today. You can always check it out, 1075thefan.com, or you can download uh, You can download the podcast there. You can listen live. You can also download our free app, 1075thefan.com, again, uh, for anything there. Yeah, go ahead. What you got? I love our lineup for this week. Field oh, Yates, we're loaded. always one of our favorites, so thank you to him. As Andy said, that'll be up on the podcast again tomorrow, 9 o'clock. Bruce Weber, 19 years on the staff with Gene Cady at Purdue. Tom Crean going to join us at 9.30. Those two, certainly a lot of history with Indiana and Purdue, so perfect uh, to preview that matchup. Uh, Wednesday, Joe writes. Uh, always enjoy talking to Joe, so we'll kind of put a bow tie on the Colts season with him. Uh, Mark Chuck Pagano, did I see that Thursday morning? Yep. Thursday morning, Chuck Pagano. We'll also have Rick Carlisle on Wednesday. Grace Berger and Lexi Hall joining us in studio on Thursday as well. So a loaded, loaded slate. And did, still some names maybe still floating out there. Did Mark that we could send have these later. to you? Because I'm learning right now we're having oh, Chuck t- Pagano. You tagged him on a tweet last <laughs> yeah. night. Oh, okay. I Follow gotcha. the show yeah. account, Andy. Yeah. Gotcha. We, we, we got to get the notifications sent to you. Um, yeah, the tweet last oh, night. I'm seeing I'm it right now. You. Okay. Yeah. Yes, we've got quite um, a wide range there. Yes, Rick Carlisle, probably Wednesday, it sounds like, with them out west. Obviously, they play late tonight, um, so trying to figure out uh, the best time for him. What is that, two-hour time difference? Is that right, mountain-wise? Yeah, mountain time, about Mm -hmm. two hours or so. Yeah, well, good. no chance I'd do it live if I were him. (laughs) Wouldn't you just tape it? I I mean, yeah, but he's, he's up. He's, I mean, come on, he's up. Is the he's body a, clock yeah, not, yeah, not, he's, not he's fully up, adjusted? He's up watching film or something. You know these guys. You know they're psychos when it comes to all of this. Um, and just quickly. I any, thought you were going to go, speaking of psychos, speaking of, Rick Patino Speaking audio. of psychos. Oh, yeah. Let's play the Patino sound here. So St. John's lost at uh, Creighton. They lost by two. I think they lost by two. They lost in the final seconds of the game, and quite frankly, they gave the they gave the game away. They did. Um, they 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 very well should have won. I watched a little bit of the ending of that game. Now this should be beeped out, Mark. So I did it this morning. I should be. If not, get the Chris Ballard dumb button ready here. Uh, what do we have to dump, Scotty? Probably Ballard five or six times last week, something like that. So this is Patino. Uh, he's asked basically how he's taking the loss, and Patino's not a not a good loser. When we lose, I f-ing hate the world. So just so you understand that, no, I don't feel good. I've never felt good with a loss. Pardon my language. So I don't feel good. I don't believe in those um, valiant efforts on the road. No, I feel like I want to kill myself, jump in the, in the cold, and and die of frostbite. We'll, we'll live to fight another day. Um, but I got to go roll in the snow right now. Thank you. Sounds like someone that just like binge watched The Sopranos. When we lose, I f***ing hate the world. <laughs> That's a 
to go get frostbite. Literally no one like them, right? <laughs> well, yes. In many different ways, yes. You I can think take they're that looking down many for volunteers in Buffalo. If you'd like to shovel snow and possibly freeze Can Louisville get him back? Please? Oh, please. Rick Pitino's never shoveled snow in his entire life. He's had someone do that for him his entire life. Now, are they having a good year? St. John's, yeah, yeah. They're, they they before so they're that a, game they were five and team? they were five and one in conferences, which is the best they've been since like the nineties. Uh, yeah, but that that's a tough loss right there. Yeah, that was a tough one. I think they are. I think they're a team, kind of you know back end of tournament. They get in and they can definitely give a higher seed fits for sure. You know, usually usually Patino's teams are pretty tough defensively. Um, We'll see. I mean, it's his first, you know, he had to do everything in the transfer portal at St. John's, basically. I mean, Butler knows that. They took one of his players. If Rick yeah. Pitino did have to shovel snow, you know what he'd say? I hate the world. <laughs> Go get frost. I, I still can't believe those those images from, what is it called now, Highmark Stadium in, in yeah. Buffalo? Oh, in I Buffalo, mean, you can't yeah. even get to the concourse. There's piles of snow. It's like waist deep. I mean, how that looks today at 430 is going to be quite the sight to see. Steelers getting 10. Are you taking the Steelers in the points? Uh, I think if I had to pick, uh, I'd yeah, go probably. there. Yeah, B- Bills win. You know, maybe it's a, it's a, I don't know. I mean, if it's 10 and a half, you get 20 to 10. You know, 17, 10, do you get something like that? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see a blowout, right? I mean, if TJ Watt were playing, I would feel a lot better with this being at least a respectable game. Does that make sense? I mean, yep, him being sure. out, he's a top defensive player in the league, one well, of them. And Eagles-Bucks, to me, is such a coin flip. The A.J. Brown injury is huge. He will not play. Again, how does Jalen Hurts look throwing it? I know it's Philly by three, but, man, that's – I feel like of all the games this weekend, that, to me, is the biggest coin flip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jalen Hurts' fingers banged up. Ain't no A.J. Brown today. They've looked terrible last like month. Yeah. Devontae Smith is banged up as well. Yeah, they they're the walking wounded right now. And their defense kind of hit a wall. You know, they had a bunch of good young players on defense. They kind of hit a wall. I mean, that's the thing. Philly, in the last couple years with Gannon and Steichen there as, as coordinators, they've been able to run the ball down your throat, and then they've been able just to have just just terrorize your quarterback on defense. And they're not doing either one of them. Are you stuck at home? Do you need entertainment today? How about a three leg parlay? Steelers to cover ten and a half, Pacers to cover seven, and Eagles money line. <laughs> I love it. By the way, you we have NBA all day today too. Yeah, busy yeah, day. There's NBA, NBA. wise, yeah. uh, busy day college hoops wise. I know we we uh, mentioned that a little bit as well. So we're gonna recap all of it obviously tomorrow, and can't wait for Bruce Weber and Tom Green to join us again. Indiana Purdue. That is a seven o'clock tip. That is a Peacock game coming up tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Stay safe, everybody. Uh, Certainly on a day we celebrate and remember the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Day. Stay warm, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.